Maverick News presents The Rick Walker Show Defrag your mind Hey everybody, I'm Rick Walker. Welcome back to the Maverick News Channel. We will be going live at 8 p.m. with Joe Biden's Oval Office address to America. During that address, he is expected to beg Congress for $100 billion in additional funding for military aid for Israel. In addition, he uh, will also be asking for that funding to go to Ukraine. These wars seem to be a bottomless money pit. So 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, two hours from now, we will pick up that feed direct from the White House, bring it to you, and we will also provide analysis and commentary. Other things on tap for tonight. We have a feed out of Toronto tonight, which we may go to, I'm not sure, with the Prime Minister Trudeau and Barbadian PM Mia Motley speaking with students. So I'll try to listen a little bit in one ear. And uh, if the content seems compelling or relevant, we may pick up that feed. Also, Trudeau, Canadian government being criticized tonight for maybe just reacting and commenting a little too quickly on what happened to that hospital in Gaza. As you know, when that happened, I said, I don't know what happened. We received a number of reports, and you could see very clearly which side some journalists were on because they took one side or the other on that hospital incident. One side blaming Israel, the other side blaming Hamas. Well, a lot of propaganda, misinformation, disinformation, and maybe some truth was floating around, but it has been very difficult, if not impossible. It has been impossible to really determine what the truth is with regard to that. We'll talk a little bit about it again tonight uh, because that is back in the headlines. A drone has attacked a U.S. military base in southern Syria. The United Nations is calling for a ceasefire near the Egypt border so that they can get aid into Gaza. MTV has canceled its awards in Paris for next month. We'll tell you why. And we'll have a whole lot more over the course of the next few hours right here on the Maverick News Channel. So do not go away. I will be right back. And we'll start digging in to today's top stories. Hello, world. Are you awake? 
uniting humankind by liberating millions of minds at a time. Maverick News. The world is watching. The New World Order Government Overreach The Great Reset Mainstream Media Lies Now more than ever, independent voices are needed. Donate now, at FreedomReporters.com That's FreedomReporters.com Maverick News The Antivirus Program For Your Mind Okay, first up tonight, though, Canada has evacuated 41 diplomats along with 42 family members from India after uh, India made good on its threat to take away their diplomatic immunity. This coming from Canada's Foreign Affairs Minister, Melanie Jolie. She says that she has confirmed that India has formally conveyed its plan to unilaterally remove diplomatic immunities for all but 21 Canadian diplomats and dependents. And this will be effective by tomorrow. She says that uh, this is an unreasonable request. Or sorry, she says that well, it's it's a it's a weird quote. She says that in their unreasonable in quotation marks request for diplomatic parity, India would only allow 21 diplomats and their families to maintain their diplomatic status, putting the others at risk for having their protections stripped arbitrarily, leaving them vulnerable to reprisal or arrest. Of course, all of this stems from the killing of that. In Canadian citizen or Canadian with dual citizenship who may or may not have been some sort of a, well, he's described as a terrorist, wanted it for terrorism in India, um, a separatist. So it all stems from that. And of course, relations between Canada and India have been extremely strained ever since then. And uh, Jolie, we're going to go to her right now in Ottawa and pick up, uh, pick up her comments where she's at this news conference. Here we go. Jolie and Immigration Minister Mark Miller. We have 30 minutes. Immigration total. Minister Today's Mark Miller here as well. Opening remarks from the ministers. We will turn to the floor for questions. And if we have time, we will go to the considerable list of people who are online. With that, over to you, ministers. Thank you. Thank you. Je vais commencer en anglais et après j'irai en français. Good afternoon. I'm here with you today along with uh, my colleague and friend, Minister Miller, dear Mark. Um, as of now, I can confirm that India has formally conveyed its plan to unilaterally remove diplomatic immunities 
for all but 21 Canadian diplomats and dependents in Delhi by tomorrow, October 20th. This means 41 Canadian diplomats and their 42 dependents were in danger of having immunity stripped on an arbitrary date, and this would put their personal safety at risk. The safety of Canadians and of our diplomats is always my top concern. Given the implications of India's actions on the safety of our diplomats, we have facilitated their safe departure from India. This means that our diplomats and their families have now left. Diplomatic immunities keep diplomats safe, no matter where they're from and where they're sent to. Immunities allow, allow diplomats to do their work without fear of reprisal or arrest from the country they're in. They are a fundamental, fundamental principle of diplomacy. And this is a two-way street. The only work, they only work if every country abides by the rules. A unilateral revocation of diplomatic privilege and immunities is contrary to international law. It is a clear violation of the Vienna Convention on Diplomatic Relations. And threatening to do so is unreasonable and escalatory. If we allow the norm of diplomatic immunity to be broken, no diplomats anywhere on the planet would be safe. So for this reason, we will not reciprocate. Canadians watching may be wondering what this means for our operations in India. There's no question that India's decision will impact levels of services to citizens in both countries. Unfortunately, we have to put a pause on all in-person services in our consulates in Chandigarh, in Mumbai, and in Bangalore. And I will let my colleagues speak uh, for what that means for immigration services, but also for consular services, Canadians who need consular assistance can still visit our High Commission in Delhi, and you can still also do that in person, reach by phone and by email. Let me be clear, Canada will continue to defend international law, which applies to all nations, and will continue to engage with India. Now more than ever, we need diplomats on the ground, and we need to talk to one another. Alors, bonjour à tous. Je suis avec mon collègue ici, le ministre de l'Immigration, Mark Miller. Euh, nous confirmons aujourd'hui que l'Inde nous a officiellement fait part de son intention de lever unilatéralement l'immunité diplomatique des diplomates canadiens et des personnes à leur charge à Delhi, à l'exception de 21 d'entre eux, d'ici demain, le 20 octobre. Cela signifie que 41 diplomates canadiens et 42 personnes à charge risquaient de se voir retirer leur immunité à une date arbitraire, mettant leur sécurité personnelle en danger. La sécurité des Canadiens et de nos diplomates est toujours notre priorité. Compte tenu des implications des actions du gouvernement indien, nous avons pris la décision d'organiser le départ de ces 41 diplomates so again, et de leur famille en toute sécurité. Ties back into the Les immunités of, um, diplomatiques garantissent quel que soit leur pays d'origine et leur Mijar, niveau d'affectation. 
Les immunités permettent aux diplomates de faire leur travail June. sans crainte de représailles de la part happened, du pays dans um, lequel Il s'agit d'un principe fondamental de la shot. diplomatie et elle ne fonctionne, ces règles-là ne fonctionnent que si chaque pays respecte ces règles. Une révocation unilatérale des privilèges et immunités diplomatiques est contraire 45 aux règles, incluant la et menacée de le faire et non seulement déraisonnable, si nous acceptons cette façon de faire, aucun diplomate ne sera en sécurité sur la planète. Et pour cette raison, le Canada ne prendra pas cette même approche que l'Inde. Les Canadiens qui nous regardent se uh, demandent peut-être qu'est-ce qu que, qu que cela signifie pour nos opérations. That, um, aucun doute que la décision de l'Inde intelligence officials or police in Canada informed them prior to his death that he was on some sort of a, a hit list. les services en personne dans nos consulats à Chandigarh, à Mumbai et à Bangalore. Et je vais laisser mon collègue Marc And then Trudeau came out and made a statement that suggested India may have had a direct hand in arranging that killing. And since then, relations between Canada and India have deteriorated to probably the lowest point in modern memory. Nous avons besoin des diplomates sur le terrain. So, we'll pull out of that. It's enough. We'll go back to Mark Miller here for just a moment. Canada and India have strong and long-standing people-to-people ties. In 2022, for example, India was the top country for permanent residents temporary foreign workers and international students in Canada. It goes without saying that we value the contributions of the Indian community in Canada and recognize the importance of Canada-Indian relations on families, business, and your people-to-people -people ties. Following India's intent to unilaterally remove immunities for all but 21 Canadian diplomats and dependents in Delhi by October 20th, 2023, immigration, refugees, and Citizenship Canada will be significantly reducing the number of Canadian employees in India. I want to reassure our clients in India and Canadians with family and friends in India that Canada will continue to accept and process all temporary and permanent resident applications from India. Toutefois, cette réduction de personnel aura des répercussions à court terme et j'ose le penser à moyen terme. Mon département s'efforce d'atténuer l'impact sur nos clients. Okay. So that's where we stand tonight on that file. What else do we have for you? So also, I can tell you that uh, Joe Biden, as I say, will be going live from the Oval Office at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. He'll address the nation in prime time. It's a rare, a rare thing for Joe Biden to do this. In fact, this is only, this will only be the second time that he has addressed the nation from the Oval Office. And this is happening as he returns from that high stakes visit to Israel 
he'll make the case tonight to Americans that it is in the best interests of the United States, U.S. national security, and the world that it responds to the attacks by Hamas on Israel with more funding for arms and aid for not only Israel, but also for Ukraine as the conflict in Ukraine continues. But uh, boy, I don't know where this ends or how it might end. The, the, the flow of money has been remarkable. Absolutely incredible. Biden has repeatedly pledged unwavering support for Israel. And uh, yesterday we heard Biden say that U.S. intelligence seems to think that it's unlikely that hospital in Gaza was bombed by Israel. Instead, the Department of Defense has suggested it was Hamas that did it. I don't know. I still don't know. We've seen video footage released by Israel, which shows what might have been a missile launched by Hamas toward Israel that malfunctioned, blew up, and then sent debris that raining down on top of the hospital, causing an explosion. That's what Israeli initially indicated was what happened to counter the narrative that it was Israel that sent in a missile to take the hospital out. I've also seen reports showing that the explosion actually happened in the parking lot, which might suggest some sort of a bomb or a different kind of explosion altogether, and that the number of people dead is nowhere near what has been reported through the media at about 500. But again, I don't know what the truth is. That's a big problem. When you no longer, when you can no longer determine what truth is when you're watching, reading, or hearing not only mainstream media accounts of a situation, but also independent media, you've got a big problem. We as a society have a big problem. And I know in the fog of war, uh, truth is always the first casualty, but I don't think it's ever been at this kind of level before because of the technology that is being used to create posts and because the technology is uh, accessible to anyone and the information can be shared all around the world in a matter of seconds. It's a different time, a different era. We are absolutely in an information war, the likes of which we have never seen before. Stay with me. I'll come right back, and the news of the day will continue.
Maverick News. The world is watching. So, yeah, just to illustrate the point. Well, you know, before we get into that, let's uh, let's just pop in on this live feed with Trudeau and um, the PM from Barbados, Mia Motley. They're live right now, so let's just listen to a minute of it and see what they're talking about, where this goes. At least I hope it's a moment of pivot and not just the new normal that's going to extend for uh, decades to come. But I think we are in a time of, of change where <laughs> the decisions that we take collectively, that you take as citizens, as, as you know, engaged members of community, will shape the future we're part of. Um, this is a focal point in the world, uh, a moment of significant consequence. Uh, and the choices we make now about how we want to look to the future and how we build that future with everyday actions that we take, goes to individuals, to communities, to governments, to businesses, to stakeholders of all different types. Um, and that's where conversations like these, where people can actually uh, talk about some of the really big issues for which I can tell you right now, none of you are going to ask a question that has an easy answer to it. Um, we're going to try and keep our answers short so we can get to as many questions as possible. Uh, but let me just say that this act of asking questions, this act of engaging and choosing to be uh, present in the shaping of the future that is going to matter deeply to you, but also to the 10 friends who never would have chose to come here to an event like this tonight. Um, we're all in this together. We all have to try and figure out what the right path is forward and anchoring ourselves in our values and in the facts uh, and in uh, the path forward that is going to be the best for the largest number of people uh, while protecting the rights and being of 100% of the people is a choice we have to take. But uh, with that, I'm happy to uh, turn it over to my good friend Mia Motley, uh, Prime Minister of Barbados, uh, to uh, uh, add a few words and then we'll open it up to questions. Thank you, Justin. Uh, et bien sûr, c'est un événement uh, du Premier ministre du Canada. Alors, il y a de la, de la traduction simultanée. Si vous voulez poser une question en français, vous avez le droit. If you want to uh, ask a question in French, uh, you're more than welcome to. Uh, I will answer in French, and there is simultaneous translation. Uh, but I think most of it's going to be in English tonight. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I want to thank you, Justin, for um, us coming here and doing the work that we've agreed to do in order to promote the best possible world that we can with the Sustainable Development Goals. Um, I like to just call them development. SDGs. And Justin has done a wonderful job in contextualizing the world in which we live. Um, the only thing I'll add to that is that it's probably more similar to what your great-grandparents and grandparents lived through 100 years ago with the exception, however, that we do know better and we do know how to do better and we must do better. But we can only do that if we can get as many people on board who begin to say, look, values do matter and the decisions and the activism that we have does matter. And that let's look at a house, a house that's left unattended will fall down. It's no different with a nation. So unless we have people standing up 
and ready to do the day-to-day -day lifting and bringing along others, as he said, there's some who won't come here this evening, but you have to be the conduit now to be able to explain why it matters that there should be zero hunger in this world with so much food around, why it matters that we should work to avoid conflict and especially to build a peace that will come, but the question is when and at what cost, um, why we should learn from the past and do better. So over to you. We're here to really answer your questions. And I really want to thank George Brown College as well. Um, you have been very instrumental recently in my own country's endeavors to be able to do training um, in the digital world, in cybersecurity, and being able to create jobs that are global. And our simple tagline at home has been global citizens, Bajan roots, and why? because we recognize that there are opportunities and a mismatch in jobs globally. And we need to be able to get as many people capable of getting those jobs, but that means preparing them through education. So thank you. Wow. Excellent. All right. So who has a first question for us? Oh, great, we get to go home early. <laughs> you know, in cricket, they say that nobody likes to be opening batsmen, but in Barbados, we've produced the two best opening batsmen ever in the history of cricket. So I'm going to encourage people to follow Gordon. I'm sure there's a hockey analogy in there somewhere. <laughs> but what I will say is by the end of the hour or the 45 minutes we have together, there's going to be six people who won't get their questions answered exactly. because we'll be out of time. So you can guarantee to get your question answered if you put up your hand now. There we go, See? right there, <laughs> right here in the front. Yeah, you just bring over a mic so we can hear you. So they're already talking about SDGs, a yes, global approach to okay. employment. Um, so my question was, um, how is Canada going to, you know, support people living in the Caribbean through uh, the challenges that will we will be facing with climate change? Well, uh, listen, this is, first of all, Canada is uh, one of the uh, countries that is uh, stepping up uh, significantly around the world with international financing and development. Uh, it was part of our Paris commitments, uh, and we've uh, recently doubled uh, our climate financing at Glasgow. Uh, we know that we have to help invest around the world to um, create those reduced emissions and positive energy solutions are going to lead to sustainability. But more than just sort of sending money, we need to send solutions and innovations. We need to actually change some of the financial architecture. And I'm not going to get into it too much because that's Mia's specialty and she is uh, extraordinarily ex uh, eloquent about it. But the reality is when World War II ended, um, we created Bretton Woods institutions, international financial institutions, the World Bank, the IMF and others that were there to help make sure the global economy had the ability to grow and prosper. Well, that was made in a, they were all made in a totally different time, in a totally different context than the context we're in right now. And a successful Smile Island state like Barbados or any of the Caribbean countries that is on the scale as a middle income country could suddenly get wiped out by a single hurricane and lose all the all the investments, all their all their you know well-being, all their fiscal balance and situation because of an exogenous shock that they had no control over. Well, the world needs to understand that it's not in our interest to have a country that just get wiped out by a hurricane or devastated by a hurricane not able to rebuild and get back on track. 
and we shouldn't be punishing them if they have to borrow to rebuild and have them you know, slow down in the very hard work of development they're doing. So a lot of the conversations we're doing is on the international stage. I worked a lot with Andrew Holness uh, over the, the past few years on financing for development through the UN. Uh, and now Mia's got an extraordinary Bridgetown initiative that Canada supports uh, to actually look differently at how we're making sure that there are the resources and the investment in climate vulnerable countries to be able to not just eke through but to continue to thrive and prosper no i mean justin has described it well um this is an extraordinarily difficult time for the world because in the global south of course we believe that there are two things that matter this is the fun um the, the stock of, of 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 gases that are emitted but also the flow and that's where the difficulty comes because the stock has really been caused by 80% of it by the countries who led in the industrial revolution. And that's why we say it is difficult for us to go and borrow because when you make us borrow for climate adaptation and resilience, then I don't have the space to borrow for education or healthcare. And it can't be a choice of the two, especially when we're not guilty for bringing the world to this point. So for us, it is a matter of climate justice, first and foremost. Then it is secondly a matter of being able to get everyone to understand that you can't separate people from planet and that we are not a one issue people. Um, everybody during the pandemic thought of the pandemic alone, but people still died from other things. People were still threatened by other things. So it's the same thing with the climate crisis. Canada has been a voice um, for good on these issues, and that's why I'm happy to associate with Justin on it. Um, in fact, I think Canada is now the largest contributor of SDRs, rechanneling of SDRs in the world, taking 48% of the special drawing rights that we've received and agreeing that they should go into the trust um, at the institutions. Um, in our own case, there's the new resilience and sustainability trust, which broadens the mandate of the IMF to be able to look at causes and not just symptoms. But the Bridgetown Initiative calls for more. And we say, look, we need to lower and level the cost of debt. We need to review the debt sustainability metrics because if you put all the money in front of me and I don't have fiscal space because I'm required to bring down my debt steep rather than gentler. Um, and I use the analogy all the time, I can lose weight at eight pounds a month or four pounds a month. What matters is that I lose weight on a sustainable basis. But if I lose it too fast, then the whole body politic literally dissipates or implodes. And that's not what we want because we will survive the climate or we will survive one issue and die from something else. So one of the reasons why I enjoy doing these sessions is because we live in a world, regrettably, where everything is reduced to four column inches and 30 to 60 seconds. You cannot have mature discussions on complex issues in that period of time. And if there's one thing I want to leave with you here this evening, is that your generation more than any other is going to be required to break that mold. Because if you don't, you've been left to a nation or a world in which you have to be exceedingly discerning in being able to determine what is fake and what is real. You're left to a world where conversations that ought to be long and mature are tried to be condensed by, by those who make money in the media, as they must. Um, in short, sound bites. But it doesn't give you the nuance. And it doesn't 
give you, life doesn't work that way. So that if you are going to help save this planet and create opportunities for your future, for yourself and your family, you're going to have to break that mold and you're going to have to insist on engagement. Um, with engagement, there's an appreciation for other people's perspective. With that comes the ability to build peace and to bridge differences. And if you don't do it, the world will be a very inhospitable place within which we can, we're forced to live. Thank you, Mia. Next question, over this section. Yes. Um, firstly, good, um, good evening, Prime Minister Trudeau. It's a pleasure to have you here at um, Georgia Brown. Um, my first question to you is, what advice would you give to students who want to be good leaders and or students who could improve their leadership skills and why? Um, Don't ask this guy. Leadership is about <laughs> empowering others. It's about surrounding yourself with good people that as leader, your responsibility is getting the very best out of each of them in whatever shared goal you're, you're pursuing, whether you're opening a pet store or trying to clean up a local park or running a G7 economy, um, you bring around the best people you possibly can and figure out how to give them the tools <laughs> to deliver on the things that need to be done. But the way to develop that is what happens right now. Um, what, what are the causes that matter for you? And can you, you know, get a few friends or a few colleagues or a few you know, fellow students together to try and impact a difference in the world, create a difference in your school community or your neighborhood? How are you mobilizing people around you to get something done that's going to make things better for others? That's what leadership is. Leadership is service. Leadership is putting yourself there to be able to bring people along. And the way to do that <laughs> is to understand that <clears throat> if you're leading by trying to boss people around and tell them what they have to do because you have some sort of authority, they might do it because they're scared of you or they might do it because they're, they're, yeah, you're in a position. He knows all about that. But you're not going to get anything accomplished to the level that you could if instead you were to empower motivate them and drive them forward so really being at the heart of how you how you bring people together and along um is is at the center of leadership and i don't find it's talked about nearly enough uh -huh. no you're absolutely correct and i would simply add that principles only matter when it's inconvenient to stand by them and leadership requires, therefore, that there are going to be times when you stand on principle, even if it is inconvenient or unpopular. And at the base of all of that is something very simple that I say all the time. Seeing people, hearing people, and feeling people. Because if you don't start off with that, then many of the things that Justin just spoke about will not fall into place. Um, is there any magic bullet? No. And that's why your ability to see, hear, and feel is important, and your ability to go back to first principles when in moments of doubt. Beautiful. Question from this side now. Hey, you in the back. <laughs> Stand up so we can see you. For... There we go. 
Greetings. Leadership is talking about As we know that there are many international students attending post-secondary institutions across Canada, this is a uh, this is a fact of Canada's larger strategy uh, of immigration. Those students are currently facing very challenging circumstances that are having a direct impact on their academic success and overall well-being. These barriers include housing costs, food costs, and increasingly high fees for tuition. These economic strains are for, I'm sorry, these economic strains are further worsening. He does have fancy socks on. Worsening by the scarcity of employment opportunities in the Canada. On this question of sustainability, what is the Old federal government's socks. plan for addressing these barriers and making immigration to Canada successful for international students? Excellent, excellent question. Although I will point out that there is a difference between immigration to Canada and international students or uh, refugees or, you know, temporary visitors or even temporary workers. There's many different types of uh, uh, ways of coming to Canada and reasons to come to Canada. If you come as a permanent resident, uh, you're on a path to citizenship. If you come as an international student, you may be on a path to citizenship eventually, but primarily you're here to be able to uh, develop career, develop abilities in our outstanding educational institutions and maybe choose to continue to stay in Canada and contribute to building this society. Maybe going back home and bringing some of that knowledge so your country back home uh, can be more successful. And that's why we've always believed in international students as an important part of Canada's uh, ability to have a positive impact on the world. <laughs> However, over the past few years, the number of international students has grown massively uh, and uh, we're seeing challenges in um, communities and schools' ability uh, to properly support them, to properly find them employment, to properly house them in some cases. And we're having a very important conversation about how to do that. Now, um, immigration is mostly a federal responsibility, but international students are uh, have a, a heavy responsibility of uh, the educational institutions and therefore the provincial governments uh, to manage. Uh, and we are having a really important conversation about all those stresses because whether it's you know, housing or employment, that's one issue, but the mental health crisis we're seeing among so many uh, students in general, but particularly international students, uh, is something that we absolutely have to address. Uh, the federal government doesn't deliver uh, healthcare services or doesn't deliver much in the way of, of healthcare services, uh, except to very specific groups. Um, but the provincial healthcare system is one that needs to be boosted, particularly on mental health, which is why we've put $200 billion on the table over the next 10 years to increase uh, healthcare delivery, including in mental health services. So uh, I very much appreciate your question, and we're going to continue to make sure we are creating opportunities from people around the world to come to our outstanding institutions. But we have to do a better job of supporting them and making sure uh, that they are uh, succeeding in every possible way. I was having one more question, if I could just ask. Sure. It was like, uh, uh, till 2025, Canada is having a thing to at least have like 500,000 immigrants 
but there is no job opportunities for immigrants who presently are there or who presently are here then how are we gonna provide job opportunities to the people who we are expecting to come uh, actually um there are more job opportunities than there are people to fill when you go anywhere across the country you see uh, help wanted signs you see uh, small communities that can't keep a restaurant open because they can't keep anyone working uh, the hours for it. There is there is a real challenge that we are having a shortage of a workforce uh, in this country. And that's why we continue to be very ambitious, one of the most, well, the most ambitious country in the world when it comes to immigration and uh, welcoming people and creating that success. But you're absolutely right. We need to make sure we're getting it right. We need to make sure, I mean, Generations ago, when people came to Canada, they were able to get jobs, yes, but they were also able to buy homes and build a life and you know, start a career and you know, create pathways to success for their, for their children and grandchildren that are uh, living that today in this glorious diversity of this country. Right now, it's an awful lot harder to have that same kind of success when you come to Canada. And we have to make sure that whether it's building housing, uh, whether it's creating uh, opportunities for people who arrive here with a engineering degree or a medical degree to actually work in the engineering field or the medical field and not drive an Uber as too many people are. Um, these are things that we are very much working on and it's one where the federal government has to work with the provincial government, uh, has to work with municipalities and community groups to get that right. We've done a better job on that than most countries around the world, but as you point out, there's a lot more to do. So thank you. <laughs> Question over here, yes. Hi, thank you for being here, obviously. Um, I was wondering what advice you two had for young people and students that want to grow sustainability in our own smaller communities here. Thank you. Starts with the basic things every day. Um, you know, at home I tell people that just saving water not leaving the tap on while you're brushing your teeth, that's sustainable um, practices. Um, being able to ensure that we can be mindful about the things that we do every day um, and recycling. I walked in and saw the things we're at home trying to get a, a proper recycling program off the ground because it's taken longer than we had hoped for. But in the interim, people are doing it on a voluntary basis, um, changing how we treat the transport and doing a lot more walking and a lot more healthier things. All of these things go to sustainable practices. But walking, the, turning the water off when you brush your teeth? At the higher level when you get into different positions. If you can walk with that mindset, just as you walk with a mindset in terms of what is good for you to eat, what is good for wellness, what is good for mental wellness, then that then allows us to be able to have the habit of sustainable living embed, embedded in all of our people. I, I, I absolutely agree with all of that. And it's just a reflection that I often have is, you know, we live in a, a world that just seems so big. Uh, it There's so much going on. It's so overwhelming and in so many ways we're made to feel powerless as individuals to be able to impact the world around us but let us remember that the climate challenge we're in right now didn't happen because one person with power decided to flip a switch and you know set us down this track 
The situation we're in right now is the cumulative impact of millions upon trillions upon trillions of individual actions by people in their everyday lives, <clears throat> some living in, in you know, developed countries like Canada, some you know, burning firewood for, to, to, to survive for their family in, in, in the developing world, in the global south. These are the challenges that we have that if millions upon millions of tiny actions got us into this situation, well, millions and millions of thoughtful, deliberate, conscious actions will get us out of it. And we have to understand that every action does have consequences. We're in a closed system. Uh, open to inputs of energy from the sun, but the rest of it is all closed on our planet. So every action impacts everything else, no matter how small. Remembering that, remembering our collective responsibility with everything we do and making sure we're working hard to keep options open for others so you can make smarter choices, so you know about different choices, and so we're you know sharing the burden responsibly. These are the things that matter. No, no, no. I was just going to give you a saying that we have in Barbados, which is an old saying in dialect. One, one blow does kill a cow. In other words, one step at a time, one action at a time. And Justin described it brilliantly because we think that, oh, ours doesn't matter, others matter. Look in the mirror. Yours does matter. And if we each have that attitude, then we can save the planet, save biodiversity, and bring better living for all. Excellent. You, in the back. You. Hey, you over there. First off, good evening. And my question to you is, um, since you are the Prime Minister and you work towards helping the economy, I just want to know, is there any sort of other things you use to help strengthen the economy other than fossil fuels? To, to strengthen the economy? Yes. Well, the, the, the Canadian economy is strong because of the contributions every day of 40 million Canadians um, or, or all the working age Canadians within that um, inventing, creating, uh, building, serving, working in a thousand or a million different ways contributing to their communities. <laughs> An economy is the sum total of everything that people do that creates value and impact in the world around them. And fossil fuels are a part, and it's certainly been a, a central source of energy for the Canadian economy and for the world for the past many, many decades. Uh, but, uh, and as we figure out how to decarbonize as much as possible our energy sources, how we develop more renewables, we're going to continue to create value and growth within the Canadian economy. Indeed, when uh, we talk about whether it's getting back into, into nuclear, whether it's building uh, more uh, hydro, more uh, solar farms, and more, uh, more wind farms, more renewables, uh, we're creating reliable electricity, reliable energy that's going to power our future. Canada making the decision to go big into the business of building electric batteries for electric vehicles is going to create great jobs for communities across the country, uh, great development of our natural resources in partnership with Indigenous peoples as we create lithium mines that are electric and cleaner and better processing plants everywhere as we solve the challenges that the world needs as a reliable and trustworthy trading partner uh, where some people are less. So all those things go together to build a strong economy. Thank you for your question. Yes. Stand up and we'll come right to you. 
Good evening. It's a pleasure to be here. Pleasure to meet you, PM Trudeau and PM Motley. So could you please share your thoughts on how Canada and Barbados could collaborate to promote sustainable development in the Caribbean? I know you said the conversations can't be short. They can't just be bite sizes. So what is the conversation that's going on, going on already? And how can students get involved in that in different projects that are probably taking place back home? You know, you have to strip mine for lithium. Strip mine. Raising is a question of awareness. It's hardly environmentally friendly. Like this. Because if people are not aware, they're not going to be mindful to answer the question early in terms of sustainable practices, and they're not going to do it. With respect to um, that awareness, therefore, we rely on persons like yourselves to help carry the message at all ages and on people at all stages. With respect to Canada and the Caribbean's work together, um, look, we've been working together on the financial reform. We've been working together on aspects of climate and biodiversity. Um, we're talking about other things that we believe can still help us get um, some success in not going over the tipping point. Because for us in the Caribbean, we need 1.5 to stay alive. And, and, and I mean that um, sincerely. As we speak, um, we have also issues pertaining to, to the question of how do we get people to do the right thing internationally and to recognize that debt cannot be the solution for small countries in the Caribbean because it means excluding our ability to invest in our people when we started from an independence compact that really and truly ought to have had reparations paid for us. Um, when the British, for example, abolished slavery, they compensated slave owners, but they've never compensated the victims of slavery, nor have they ever compensated the countries that have had to sustain those lives. And therefore it makes it more difficult. Canada has worked with us on the financial reform and it sounds unsexy, but that unlocks so much opportunities for us to be able to plan out our own future. Um, Justin spoke just now about the electric vehicles and the batteries. I'm tired saying that when the lights and cameras are off at the COP summits, um, where are we getting the supplies from? Our orders are too small for anybody to notice. Um, and, and if we can get them, we have no capacity to influence prices. So our ability to work with a long-standing partner like Canada and being able to ensure that we can have access to the things that allow us to get to net zero as countries matters because we don't necessarily have the same industrial capacity in the global south at this point in time. We want to see more of it develop, but I'm also being realistic in the time frame that we have. We're not going to see that just develop overnight. So working with partners like Canada on how do we do the greening across the board in practical ways and through our trading and investment practices will also make a significant difference beyond the financial reform. Well said. Yes. Hmm. Hi there. Oh. Stand up and we'll come to you. This is actually interesting. Sorry, I have the mic. Sorry it's, about oh, that. Oh, sorry. Sorry. It shows you how. Okay. Well, then I'll come to you next. 
He's kind of wearing his globalism on his sleeve. I'll point out people so, that, so we can be balanced back and forth, but go ahead. Good evening, uh, Prime Minister Motley. Good evening, Prime Minister Trudeau. Um, I'm a Guyanese-born Canadian, uh, really proud to be here today and loving this conversation. Um, uh, I'm the product of sort of a brain drain. My family moved to Canada because of safety, so I am a proud Caribbean uh, member of the diaspora, but also a very proud Canadian. Um, and I really am proud of uh, institutions like George Brown that help promote education, which is really the most important thing that we need to help rise the tides in, in many countries and especially Caribbean countries. Um, I wanted to broadly ask uh, what you think that we can all do as the Caribbean diaspora to help support common goals of Canada and Caribbean countries. Um, and then specifically ask uh, about your thoughts on how we can specifically uh, contribute towards sustainable uh, food production and sustainable development when it comes to food. Well, I just had uh, an outstanding conversation with the president of, of Guyana, uh, Irfan Ali, who was acting, actually talking directly about that, how we were going to be uh, sharing some of Canada's uh, agri-food technology and innovations as, as they're developing a significant uh, uh, agricultural and agri-food sector, uh, and we're happy to help. Our Trade Minister Mary Ying just went down on a on a business mission, a trade mission to um, to Guyana and to other parts of the Caribbean. Came went down with 200 different companies and business leaders, uh, and many of them companies interested in developing markets and partnerships in in the Caribbean. All of them interested in that, but a significant proportion of them. Canadians who trace their origins back to the Caribbean, who have been successful here in building businesses and wanting to actually actualize those people-to-people -people ties into business and trade ties. And that's, that's one of the things that I think we have a tremendous advantage on in that there are, there are deep historical and um, community connections between our countries. And the world is getting so much more uncertain and so much more challenging in different ways that being able to build together with people who, with whom there is connection and trust is really, really important. And so much of what you know, Canada wants to grow and develop in terms of creating opportunities around the world and doing that where... Uh, countries like Guyana, which is is growing rapidly because of this discovery of oil and gas, but also a real understanding of the fact that uh, you know there are you know magnificent untouched tropical forests in there and beautiful resources that they don't necessarily they definitely don't want to make the same mistakes that the the world has made in its rapid industrialization with real consequences. They want to manage it right. And they're looking to Canada. I mean, lots of people are interested, the Saudis, the Chinese, everyone's interested. And they say, okay, but we'd really like more of Canada to come and invest because we know your values. We trust you. you you're doing oil and gas at the same time as you're trying to fight climate change. We know that those values are linked. And that makes a really strong grounding to be able to build those 
business and prosperity connections next. So that's that's really the exciting thing that that we've spent the last three days talking about those kinds of connections and how we can how we can grow those. You know, like look at the um, the nuclear research expertise of the University of West Indies in Jamaica, for example, and say, well, hey, Canada's got nuclear expertise. You're needing power uh, power generations. Is there something we can start looking at together? I mean, there's so many things where there are opportunities to grow. Uh, but having those connections like that you embody um, is a real advantage and an opportunity that we should be taking care uh, taking uh, taking advantage of an advantage we should take advantage of yeah I'm losing my English here we go <laughs> we'll switch into French now if you don't mind okay a question in French from you sir no I'm, I'm kidding I'm kidding I'm kidding you can ask in English go ahead stand up and I'll come to you just stand up so we can see you yeah there you go Thank you, Prime Minister. It's good to see both of you. Um, there's been a lot of talk about individual actions and what we can do to address the climate crisis. But in terms of tangible actions, um, I know you talked about uh, the Bridgetown Initiative, which is very commendable. Thank you for your leadership on that, Prime Minister. Recently, there was a declaration out of the African Climate Summit about pricing carbon in terms of a global carbon taxation regime. So that the biggest emitters pay for the damage that the emissions cause. Is that something that Canada would lend its voice to? Canada's actually been pushing uh, the Global Carbon Pricing Challenge, which is something we started in Glasgow uh, at, uh, at COP27, um, where we, um, we recognize, and actually this is not just we as in as in our government this is uh, the un this is the uh, international monetary fund this is the world bank this is uh, significant global institutions who understand that the best way to reduce emissions is to put a price on emissions if you want less pollution charge people for the pollution and they will find ways not to pollute if you pollute for free when I mean, you think of a, a, a factory on a river if they can just you know, produce things as cheaply as they can and pour all their effluent into the river and it flows all downstream and the city downstream is paying all the costs of cleaning up that river so they can have drinking water, well, the company's making great profits because they don't have to be consequential in what they've emitted. So if you say that, say that company will know, you're gonna have to make sure that that water is clean and if it's not clean, you're gonna have to pay for that what the community is gonna to have to pay to clean it up. It's a very basic principle. So we did that here in Canada. We put a price on pollution. Now the best way of putting a price on pollution, the most, sorry, the most efficient way of putting a price on pollution is make everyone pay a price on pollution and take the money that they pay, a few extra pennies at the gas pump or, or industrial processes and invest it all into innovative green solutions so you reward and you accelerate the innovation around climate so the money that people are paying for the old things pays for investments into the new things that's the best way that the scientists and the economists all say of doing climate change uh, oh. doing climate pricing that's oh. not what we did in canada we put that price on pollution and then we return it to canadians Across the country, eight out of 10 Canadians in jurisdictions that pay that price on pollution, which excludes provinces like Quebec or BC that have their own carbon pricing schemes uh, and setups, 
Eight out of 10 citizens across the country get more from the climate action incentive check that just came out this week than they pay on average in extra carbon price at the pump. So what's the point, you might say, if you're just paying back that what you're paying, out, getting back what you pay out, why does that change anything? Well, it changes because we've put a price signal on it, that a company that's building, investing in new, new equipment is going to say, well, it makes sense to be more energy efficient so we can use yet less fuel and emit less carbon. So it's worth it to buy a slightly more expensive or innovative scrubber or filter or process that's going to be more efficient because it's not free to pollute anymore. And if your carbon incentive payment that just landed this week is worth $300, but an average family pays about $250 uh, in that same time frame on gas, well, then you've made a benefit of 50 bucks. But if that family that was paying $250 decides, you know what, next car we're going to buy is going to be electric because we can afford it, or uh, we're going to re-insulate our home, which is going to cost a little bit more, but it's going to save us significantly more money, well, they get to keep more than $50 of that incentive. So by putting a price signal on pollution, you've actually made a real dollar and cents motivation for everyone, and not everyone can, but everyone to try and see where they can actually avoid that pollution that's a bad thing. I don't understand it his logic. Canada Honestly. is bending the curve on our emissions faster than any other G7 country right now. It's just six years of carbon price or seven years of carbon pricing. So, but of course, you hear a few extra pennies at the pump right now. We're like, pennies. oh my God, I can't afford to fill up my gas tank right now. Uh, inflation is high. This is terrible. This is why we're having a political debate about it. But by putting a price on pollution, it's the most- 10 cents, 20 cents, 30 cents, 60 cents, a liter more. Ways, you'd have to bring in regulations. You'd have to uh, bring in extra costs in other ways if you actually want to crack down on climate change. And it'll be more expensive, but it won't be felt in the same way. And that's the debate we're having right now. The issue, though, is if we can get, right now we're about 20, 25% of the world with a price on pollution. We can get to 60% of the world on price on pollution, which is- I thought we're going to have short answers. Um, we actually massively change the trajectory of the world. Now, it's a very different challenge for different parts of the world. Ah. The idea for a country that is living in energy poverty right now, that can barely pay uh, to you know, run its electricity grid off of uh, diesel or fuel right now to extra, ex, put an extra challenge on it, is a really difficult one. But a lot of Western countries, a lot of successful wealthy countries are realizing that this is the best way to actually spur the kind of innovation and action that is then going to turn around and help countries that need those solutions, don't want to develop those solutions, but need those solutions. I could turn around and say, hey, we found the perfect type of windmill or the perfect type of, of solar panel that's going to solve Barbados's energy needs. Yeah, you know, you're gonna be like, great, perfect. That's what we want. Although you are doing amazing things on sol solar panels. I heard just wonderful things in terms of the, the, the amounts you're doing. That's what global carbon pricing is all about. That's about making sure that everyone is taking responsibility for the pollution they're contributing to the atmosphere. Uh, that's why carbon pricing is so powerful. 
but it also and it will continue to be uh, a debate um, because even though it's a powerful way of changing uh, the trajectory, um, it's also a very visible way of doing it. And Sheesh. right now, everything seems very expensive, and that's why we're having continued debates. It doesn't seem expensive, pal. It's very everything yeah, is expensive. And, and off the charts, it's expensive. Difficult conversation. But if we're going to save the future, and it's the future that matters most to you, then we've got to be able to protect it. Um, I'd like to go even further and to make the point that everything that Justin said was absolutely correct. In our own case, whether it is in terms of we moved from a road tax to a fuel tax at the pump so that persons can control how much they pay by determining how much they drive, um, we're trying to do the same thing because Barbados is one of the 15 most water scarce countries. And therefore, we're trying to get people to understand that they can also control their bills by being able to conserve water as well and simply changing out into water saving uh -huh. um, fixtures in their bathrooms, in their kitchens, etc. Um, these things matter. But I wanted to drive in on one other point. The same way how we accept uh -huh. the principle that we should pay to make it better, especially those whose behavior is causing it in the first place, is the international principle that the Global South has been asking for to be adhered to. And I say it because I feel strongly we are facing double jeopardy. We were the people whose blood, sweat, and tears led to the Industrial Revolution being successful. And we are the people, regrettably, who are on the front line of the worst causes, the worst consequences of the Industrial Revolution. And that is why for a country like oh. Canada that respects principle and rule of law, we believe that that is easily understood here. But what? regrettably it's not understood by all. And we'd like more of the G7 countries and the G20 or G21, as you want to call it, um, to step up to the plate and understand that when we call for moral strategic leadership at a global level, it includes also respect and principles such as this. It's still the G20. There's, we're up to about 26 countries, but it's still, uh, it's easier to say G20. Um, I promised you the question, and then we'll take one more question from there. And the six of you who didn't ask the questions in the beginning, unfortunately, we're, we're out of time. Go ahead. I'll take this, and then I will take someone here. Oh, my there God. Go. Right there. Hello. Good morning. So as I did told me, I can ask anything I want. I just want to ask a question. So as you know, as international student living in Canada is really hard because everything is expensive and those yeah, because they printed too much money and too much inflation. I just want to know what's your advice for the student? They have a uh, big dreams, uh, and everyone told them it's not possible or it's very you just have to forget about it. Uh, what's your advice? Like when you was young, when you was twenty, and you just say someday I want to be a prime minister, and some people say, oh no, it's not possible. How you find your very way, how you give yourself that confidence, so yeah, I can't do it. Who cares? No, that'll be the end of it right now. We're not gonna go to the end. Okay. Uh, breaking news. The uh, Israeli embassy in Bahrain has just been set on fire. little bit of video here for you. Yeah. 
Here it is here. Hang on. Oh my. So there it is there. Israeli embassy in Bahrain. Burning tonight. Oh boy. So, you know, sorry to subject you to all that, but you know, you if you do not listen to what people on the other side of the political aisle are saying, you don't understand. And I mean, I, I think we do understand. We know what what they're up to. But you have to you still have to listen to to keep things in proper perspective, to stay up to date, to see how committed they are, to see exactly what they're doing, what their strategies are. And what was that whole conversation about? Sustainable development goals. Global citizens, global economic policies, global employment policies. Everything is about globalism. environmentalism the pm of uh, barbados sat there and talked about the global south oppressed versus the oppressor oppressor versus the oppressed a very woke um thought process ideology at work there scary to me because clearly what the Prime Minister of Barbados is looking for is reparations from Canada, the U.S. For slavery. Colonialism. Money, power. Wealth transfer. Redistribution of wealth globally she said that it's the global south the caribbean that is responsible for the success of basically the industrial revolution i would say that everyone contributed to the industrial revolution, all people. People worked in factories, built the factories. Innovators came up with the technology, the processes, the assembly line. Henry Ford perfected that or at least took it to a whole new level, put the world on wheels with the Model T transformed society it wasn't just the global south in my view everyone contributed i i don't buy into that same view i'm sorry i just don't because i think it's demonstrably not true <laughs> 
That's to say that only that one group of people made the Industrial Revolution. But the Industrial Revolution did not succeed because of slavery. The Industrial Revolution transformed society because of the hard work of all kinds of people and because of industrialization, mechanization, automation, assembly lines, mass production, economic policies, free market policies that facilitated efficiency, increased productivity because of mechanization, industrialization, automation, innovation. It created a higher standard of living for all. And where people who criticize capitalism or free markets kind of get it wrong is they see it as a zero-sum game. And they see the production, the productivity that comes from mass production techniques as, again, a zero-sum thing. They feel that it's the industrialists or the people who control the means of production, like the Henry Fords of the world, who keep all of the profits or the, the bulk of the profits and don't share them adequately or equally with the workers or the people. And that's where they really, in my view, get it wrong. You see, everyone actually ends up benefiting from Mass production techniques, higher degrees of efficiency. The Industrial Revolution benefited everyone. You didn't even need to have a job and you benefit. In fact, you're benefiting right now from free markets, industrialization, mass production, because the consumer goods that you have access to at reasonable and sometimes downright cheap prices are made possible because of those kinds of innovations. So you see that the payback to society comes not just in terms of dollars and cents, but a higher standard of living. So now, when I was a kid, a lot of people never didn't have air conditioning. Now almost everybody has air conditioning. When I was a kid, we didn't have a color TV until I was, I don't know, 12 years old or something like that. And they were expensive back in those days. But now everybody has a color TV. Who, who, has a black, who buys a black and white television? People have plasma screens, LEDs, flat screens, huge screen TVs. And for a fraction of the price that they were when they first appeared on the market, everybody benefits from a higher standard of living because the rising tide raises all boats. Everybody. And even if the Henry Fords of the world and the Elon Musks, even if they do have massive amounts of money, we still all benefit in the long run from these market innovations. Technology. That's also what feeds the world is technology being used on farms fertilizer. It's the Justin Trudeau's of the world that want to take innovations like fertilizer away from the farmers. 
you have to unleash the potential. And that's what the industrial revolution did is it unleashed potential. It unleashed the productivity of new production techniques, mechanization. And it freed humanity, freed people to do other kinds of work. It didn't really put people out of work. It shifted labor. Yeah, it displaced some, say, farm workers who had previously been in the fields with shovels and hoes and other kinds of implements manually weeding and planting and replaced that with mechanization like tractors. And because they were displaced, they went off and did other kinds of work because they weren't needed to produce the food in the fields anymore. So they went and set up other businesses and produced other kinds of consumer goods or goods or services that, you know, at, at one level or one sector of the economy or another, there was a demand for. And if there wasn't a demand, they created a demand by solving other kinds of problems for people. <laughs> so to sit and today, I think, ask for reparations, it's, um, it really isn't about justice, in my view. It's simply just about money and power. And I understand the, uh, the social issues surrounding all of that, but uh, it has to be handled in a delicate and really a fair way. Not about, it's not about equity, which is accumulated wealth. That's not about equality. Equity and equality are two different words, and they mean two entirely different things. And people get them mixed up, and they throw the people on the woke side, throw that word equity around all the time. For them, it's all about equity. You build equity in your home over time. Things appreciate in value, things like real estate, and you build equity, or you make an investment and you and your investment grows over time, so you increase your equity. And so what they want is they want the equity. They want the accumulated value that you've gathered over time, over generations even, and they want you to pay that to them. Redistribute that equity, the equity in your home. So if you've purchased your home and then it's increased in value. The increase in value is, and the total value is your equity. What's it worth? So they want that. They want what you've worked for all your life, the people on the woke left, and they, they want to give it to other people. That's not about equality. That's about revenge. <laughs> in many respects, they might say it's about getting even, but I don't think it's about so much getting even these days and it gets to be pretty complicated because it's like who qualifies who gets paid what do you do when you have mixed marriages you know different people of different ethnic backgrounds coming together and making families and then like what percentage of this are you and that and it gets, that gets pretty complicated doesn't it after a while it doesn't even make sense anymore especially in a truly diverse society or country like Canada. So I don't know where it, 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 I can see where it starts, but I'm not sure where it ends. And I'm not sure that it's a road that we really should be traveling all that far down. Yeah, there are some things that need to be addressed in terms of injustice over time and through history, but there's also reality. 
pragmatism. And we need to be very careful because in the course of pursuing justice, it's uh, it's like staring into the abyss. If you're not careful, it'll come back and just consume you, eat you alive, all of us. And it won't serve anyone well in the end because it will just sow the seeds of more division. Very, very dangerous stuff in my estimation. I'll be right back. The New World Order. Government overreach. The Great Reset. Mainstream media lies. Now more than ever, independent voices are needed. Donate now at freedomreporters.com. That's freedomreporters.com. Maverick News. The antivirus program for your mind. Okay, I'm back and in Canada, still in Ontario, members of provincial parliament in Ontario today voted 78 to 0 to condemn Hamas and affirm Israel's right of self-defense. So unanimous. All progressive, conservative, and liberal MPPs voted in favor of the motion, which was tabled by House Leader Paul Calandra. The NDP abstained from the vote. Isn't that interesting? The NDP had tried to amend that motion to include calls for an immediate ceasefire, which, you know, okay, I'm, I'm good with that. And for Hamas to release all of the hostages it took, I believe there were are 199 during their, uh, their attack on October 7th against Israel and for Canada to send human, uh, humanitarian aid to Gaza. But that uh, motion today was passed after more than two days of lengthy debate that included pleas for... Um, Well, it, it included long debates, long speeches in the um, in the legislature. And so the emotions continue to run high. Also, I know that uh, tonight uh, the word is that the Million March for Children Round 2 were now dubbed in some areas the Stop the War on Children Million March. One Million March Round 2 is still a go for this weekend. I really don't have too many details on exactly what's going on. I know that unions, again, have been recruiting counter-protesters, promoting counter-protests, targeting specific areas and cities where they know these marches will be taking place again. And we saw during the original protest hundreds of thousands of people in cities all the way across Canada all over Canada take to the streets for that original uh, 1 million march for children out there the protesters say they were protesting for parental rights and against cultural 
cultural sexual indoctrination or whatever through schools and drag queen story times, basically. That's what they were marching against. And this event coming up on this weekend, especially when they layer in that word war, it's going to be emotional from the beginning to the end. And with the unions again organizing counter protests in some cities, uh, it, it could get confrontational. We're hearing that out in Vancouver and Victoria, again, the union leaders in those areas have been very successful already in distributing flyers and getting organized in advance to have counter-protesters strategically placed. And it isn't clear exactly what's going to happen out in those communities. But uh, I know that during the first Million March for Children in those areas, the counter-protests were heavier and, and did result in some actual clashes. And in the case, I think it was in Victoria, correct me if I'm wrong, pretty sure it was Victoria. They actually did end the protest earlier than they had planned because of the resistance that they encountered in the streets. This weekend, I think, will prove to be very emotional indeed, because you will have that march with many people from the Muslim community again participating in it. Hard to say what kind of numbers this this series of marches across the country will generate. My guess is they will get a sizable crowd out again. And when you also add in there Palestinian protesters or pro-Israel protesters and then union counter-protesters, you have a whole lot of people with a whole lot of emotions at a fever pitch out there marching around on the pavement. Boy depending on which group mixes with which group or comes into contact with another group, well, there's real potential there for, let's just say, heated discussion. Mm -hmm. And then you add in this Ottawa non-voy convoy thing, and it looks like they're I think they're planning on participating in that Million March round two in some way. Some of you may have been following some of that, but uh, I also see that some of the key figures in that have left. Some of them have left Ottawa now, so I don't know where all of that stands. Uh, other than to say, I do know that it is going on. The, um, the one main group has canceled. They did post on their website, and I showed you that yesterday. And uh, their Million March for Children, which I, I think really was the national organization that started putting this all together the first time, they've stepped back from some of the key locations. However, other local organizers have pushed ahead, and I'm being told today that in most of these locations, it will be happening again this weekend. Let me just check the chat. Yeah. 
and go over here and check this other chat. Yeah. So we'll see. It's interesting, you know, to see that uh, for a long time, we've been listening to these guys with the, the convoy say that they need numbers, they need numbers, they need numbers. And then this weekend, it looks like they're going to get the numbers. And then suddenly, the key figures, all but maybe a couple of them, it seems, have left just in advance of that happening. Don't really understand that. Don't really quite understand that. I've got my own thoughts that I'll keep to myself for the moment. And yes, I know that one of the guys is suggesting that people stay away from particular cities. I wonder why. I want to question some of that too. Pretty, pretty strange, the whole thing. So we'll see how things unfold over the next day or two. Today's Thursday night, so Friday, and then we'll get into the weekend. We'll be keeping an eye on it and reporting on it all. And uh, I hope everyone has a successful and peaceful weekend of, uh, of protesting. Looks like it could be big again. Don't know how big, but if the, the first one was any indication, it might again be one of the biggest uh, protests uh, we've seen ever in Canada. So we'll uh, we'll keep tabs on it for you. Let's take a quick break. And remember, don't go away because Joe Biden is coming up live in less than half an hour now with an address to the nation from the Oval Office. Very rare for him to, to do this. This is only the second time, obviously, an address from the Oval Office to the nation in this manner is... Is these, these kinds of occasions are reserved for very important announcements, usually. They come during times of national crisis. So we'll be picking that up live and uh, providing coverage front to back, top to bottom, bumper to bumper. Don't go away. More ahead right after this. Greetings, brave mavericks. Our quest for truth continues. We go beyond fake news. Together we expose propaganda. Together we pull others out of rabbit holes. We are maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals, individuals. defenders of individual rights and freedoms. Credible, trusted, grounded in reality. Maverick News. Maverick News. Defending free speech. Free speech. Donate at freedomreporters.com. Do it now. Tomorrow. Maybe too late. Too late. Too late. Too late. Maverick News. The world is watching. else do I have for you tonight? Quite a bit of stuff, actually. It's been a fairly busy news day. Um, 
Here's something that uh, was sent to me. Leo sent this over. Freedom reporter Leo. Thank you, sir. You remember Neil Magnuson? He's involved with the uh, the cannabis replacement program out in uh, BC for people with uh, addictions to hard drugs, and they they give away the the cannabis to people who are addicted to other drugs. We got into a confrontation today. I don't know if it was a cop or a bylaw officer. But anyway, here's this video. I guess they've been parking on the street or something to give away the the marijuana for a couple of years in the same spot. And they set up a canopy to provide shelter for people as they were administering this program. And now the city has come along and told them, can't do that, can't put that up here, can't park here anymore, and uh, you can't stay parked anywhere around this area for longer than two hours at a time. So that's interesting. So I just thought I'd share this video with you tonight. And you can kind of make your own assessment. Maybe at some point we'll get Neil on to talk about what's going on out there. Um. Don't really want to comment too much on it because I'm not exactly sure what the legalities are here. or I'm not really familiar with all of the history um, surrounding this and the particular issue that is at the heart of this matter. But uh, here it is. Let's uh, let this roll. Oh, sorry. You can permit out a portion of this block, right? For your purposes, but you have to pay for the permit. Uh, how can we do that? That's up to you. To uh, figure how that can out. we do that? That's what you need to do. But that doesn't change the three hour dialogue for an oversized vehicle. So we've been here for three years. Three years. Three years. Okay. Right there. This Get help me right now, brother. Three years. BPD's outside. Can't help you. That are members here. They come and get their stuff for free from here to save their fucking lives, sir. And what am I supposed to do with them? Well, you explain me. I have to move my kids. I want you to explain to me what the. Yeah, he uh, he, he, he wants he wants service. But I said I'm not helping. I'm I'm, I'm not serving anybody right now. This is obviously the fucking officer of the side. Yeah. When I do that, I will do that. Yeah, we'll work hard. I'm doing something illegal. You're doing something immoral. Who would you rather be? I'll happily break the law to save a life. You don't have to like or dislike or anything You don't have to do anything. No, you don't. Because I've been here for three fucking years, sir. They don't care about I, I the fact that. That's a pretty big canopy thing that they set up there, I guess. 
unless I'm looking at it wrong. Three years, we've never had a problem. Three years. Don't you tell me to move now? Yeah. I mean, if you're if you're if you're hard up enough 
to come up the officer right there and good, like that's how bad you need a joint mm. right now then i'm gonna give you a joint <laughs> like, Yeah, that's a that that is a police officer. <laughs> he like double jet. He like looked at the fucking at the guys. I'm like, yeah, no, that's a cop. <laughs> go uh hit that hit that um yeah yeah how's it going yeah they're doing their yeah you know you know about the sweets wow that's right you know about the sweets? Yeah, no, I just want to they that's what the VPD is here to do. Okay, He's like, oh, I, we're gonna we're gonna sweep this court. We're gonna sweep Cordoba and remove all the structures. And your structures, one of the is a structure. So okay, you got the idea. You've got the idea. Oh, hang on here. What's going on here? What's going on here? Let's take a look at this. Oh my God. Yeah. Are you open for business? Yeah, still open right now. Yeah. Sort of. I got a 10 for 20. That's cool. Well, I don't know. I'm going to check the chat. Anybody think of anything of that? So let's see here. I don't know. I don't know. You're dealing with um, bylaw stuff there. Yeah, bylaws, the bylaws, the bylaw. So, what can I say? <laughs> yeah. Moth says he's got cancer. Who has cancer? Um, Neil. Neil has cancer. Yeah. So, and what else is in the chat here? Let me just see here. Ron Costello says, 
Ron Clark wants things to escalate and others won't let it and they don't have the numbers. That's a reference to the non-voy convoy out in Ottawa. And Ron Clark, who says he's not an organizer or a leader, who has still become the face of it, in many respects left. And uh, I don't know if he's back out in Alberta yet or not, but I guess he's on his way. Interesting development there. All this happening just before this weekend. When no doubt they will get a huge crowd out into the streets with huge crowd out into the streets with huge numbers. And it looks like, I don't know, will they join forces or glom onto it or whatever? I think a lot of them would like to do that. I think that seems to be the plan from what I'm hearing. But I don't know. Like, just join that march. So we'll see. We will see. Yeah. But, you know, interesting to me, and I'll just say this. Here you have a guy who has been encouraging people and continues to encourage people to put it all on the line. Tells people, this is the last stand and we're not backing down, no matter what. And this time is going to be it. Right? No matter what. And then they get out there and they don't have the numbers that they say they were going to have. Three million people don't have that. And then kind of fizzles out. So they sit around, call for reinforcements, get more people out there. <laughs> encourage, they actually encouraged people, some of these guys, to sell their homes, quit their jobs, and join them. And some people have done that. Yeah, it's true. There are some people out there who have done that. Because this is supposed to be it. And now, two days before, a couple of days before the a big march, where you're going to get, which is what they wanted, he leaves. Yeah, I know, he's got a flooded basement, so he says. And But if this is it, if everybody's supposed to be putting it all on the line right now, just doesn't seem to mesh. <laughs> just doesn't seem something's not right. Still, I don't want to talk about it too much because it's all become kind of weird. And it doesn't make sense. And I, honestly, I feel for the people who have quit their jobs, sold everything to get out there, only to now have the people who have been leading it while not leading it, who say that they're not leading it while they lead it and encourage people to go out there and do all of this stuff. And it looks like a bunch of them have actually left now. But the party continues in the farmer's field or the gathering or whatever you call it. She's for crying out loud. That's all I'm going to say about it.
Let me take a quick break. It is now 7.52 p.m. We will be going to the White House shortly to pick up that address to the nation by Joe Biden in this time of war. Greetings, brave mavericks. Our quest for truth continues. We go beyond fake news. Together we expose propaganda. Together we pull others out of rabbit holes. We are maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals, individuals, defenders of individual rights and freedoms, credible, trusted, grounded in reality. Maverick News, Maverick News. Defending free speech, free speech, speech. Donate at freedomreporters.com. Do it now. Tomorrow. Maybe too late. Too late. Too late. Too late. Maverick News. The world is watching. So as we wait for Joe Biden to begin his address, I can tell you that tonight, the president of Israel sees a a battle for civilization unfolding in the Middle East. Isaac Herzog calls the uh, Hamas movement the worst, in his words, the worst terrorist organization in the world, putting it on par with the Islamic State. He believes that we are witnessing a battle for civilization and says that Israel is protecting, in his words again, the whole world. He says it is a battle for civilization, a battle for humanity, and he says we are at the forefront of it, and we, Israel, are protecting the whole world. That was in an interview he did with the Daily Mail today. Herzog called the Hamas movement the worst terrorist organization in the world, putting it on par with the Islamic State. And he strongly criticized the BBC's coverage of the events in Israel and the Gaza Strip. According to Herzog, he says the British people and the British judicial system must stand up to the broadcasting company for refusing to call Hamas terrorists. And we saw that exact same directive come down from the editorial 
um, staff at the CBC in Canada. They have a policy in place preventing, directing journalists to not refer to Hamas as a terrorist organization or to use the word terrorist when referring to Hamas. In fact, during the weekend, the BBC temporarily suspended several employees from its Arab department after they published statements on their personal pages that could be interpreted as support for Hamas. Um, the corporation was also criticized after one of its reporters said during a live broadcast that the Al Ali hospital in the Gaza Strip was apparently hit by Israel. And then later the IDF claimed, as we all know now, that the explanation or the explosion at the hospital rather was caused by a misfired missile launched by the Islamic Jihad group. Meanwhile, the BBC is also being criticized by participants in pro-Palestinian rallies in the UK who claim that the broadcaster relays Israel's occupation propaganda in quotation marks. On October 14th, a group of pro-Palestinian activists vandalized the doors and walls at the BBC's headquarters in downtown London with red paint. That information that I just had there, by the way, came from TASS in Russia. Just to give you proper context on how that was framed. So again, in just a couple of minutes, Joe Biden should begin his address from the White House, the Oval Office, and give us, give Congress his appeal for funding, funding of the war. Let me take a quick break here while I establish the feed into Washington, D.C. Don't go away. The New World Order. Government overreach. The Great Reset. Mainstream media lies. Now more than ever, independent voices are needed. Donate now at freedomreporters.com. That's freedomreporters.com. Maverick News. The antivirus program for your mind. the storm for truth is on our side maverick news the world is watching Yeah, they were talking, you know, Justin Trudeau was talking about lithium <laughs> uh, with the Prime Minister of Barbados. And they're, they're talking about a clean, green future. 
you know, if they want to mine lithium anywhere in the world, they want it, they want to start mining more lithium in Canada. You know, you have to strip mine for that stuff. That means everything on the surface is stripped away. The trees, everything. Talk, you know, the animals, no home. The habitat is gone. They leave a great big giant pockmark on the face of the earth when they're done, a giant crater. They just dig and dig and dig and dig straight down. It's not like an underground mine where in the end it's, you know, tunnels and things like that. It's strip mining. It's not environmentally friendly. Not at all. Just saying. And they're having trouble, you know, um, Coming up with enough lithium to supply the market now. Having trouble coming up with uh, enough now. Speaking of electric cars, you know, um, Dodge came up with this um, electric Dodge Charger concept car, electric. And uh, I'm going to show it to you because it looks like, let me just make sure we don't miss this feed with Biden. No, it still hasn't started. So let me show you this. Dodge came up with this. Here we go. Here we go. I got it. Good evening, my fellow Americans. Here it is. We're facing an inflection point in history. One of those moments where the decisions we make today are going to determine the future for decades to come. That's what I'd like to talk with you about tonight. You know, earlier this morning, I returned from Israel. <clears throat> they tell me I'm the first American president to travel there during the war. I met with the prime minister and members of his cabinet. And most movingly, I met with Israelis who had personally lived through horrific horror of the attack by Hamas on the 7th of October. More than 1,300 people slaughtered in Israel, including at least 32 American citizens. Scores of innocents, from infants to the elderly grandparents, Israelis, Americans taken hostage. As I told the families of Americans being held captive by Hamas, we're pursuing every avenue to bring their loved ones home. As president, there is no higher priority for me than the safety of Americans held hostage. The terrorist group Hamas unleashed pure, unadulterated evil in the world. But sadly, the Jewish people know perhaps better than anyone that there is no limit to the depravity of people when they want to inflict pain on others. In Israel, I saw people who are strong, determined, resilient, and also angry, in shock, and in deep, deep pain. I also spoke with President Abbas, the Palestinian Authority, and reiterated the United States remains committed to the Palestinian people's right to dignity and to self-determination. The actions of Hamas terrorists don't take that right away. Like so many other, I'm heartbroken by the tragic loss of Palestinian life, including the explosion at the hospital in Gaza, which was not done by the Israelis. We mourn every innocent life lost, we can't ignore 
the humanity of innocent Palestinians who only want to live in peace and have an opportunity. You know, the assault on Israel echoes nearly 20 months of war, tragedy, and brutality inflicted on the people of Ukraine, people that were very badly hurt since Putin launched his all-out invasion. We've not forgotten the mass graves, the bodies found bearing signs of torture, rape used as a weapon by the Russians, and thousands and thousands of Ukrainian children forcibly taken into Russia, stolen from their parents. It's sick. Hamas and Putin represent different threats, but they share this in common. They both want to completely annihilate a neighboring democracy, completely annihilate it. Hamas' stated purpose for existing is the destruction of the state of Israel and the murder of Jewish people. Hamas does not represent the Palestinian people. Hamas uses Palestinian civilians as human shields, and innocent Palestinian families are suffering greatly because of them. Meanwhile, Putin denies Ukraine has or ever had real statehood. He claims the Soviet Union created Ukraine. And just two weeks ago, he told the world that if the United States and our allies withdraw, and if the United States withdraw, our allies will as well, military support for Ukraine would have, quote, a week left to live, but we're not withdrawing. I know these conflicts can seem far away. And it's natural to ask, why does this matter to America? So let me share with you why making sure Israel and Ukraine succeed is vital for America's national security. You know, history has taught us that when terrorists don't pay a price for their terror, when dictators don't pay a price for their aggression, they cause more chaos and death and more destruction. They keep going. And the cost and the threats to America and the world keep rising. So if we don't stop Putin's appetite for power and control in Ukraine, he won't limit himself just to Ukraine. He's, Putin's already threatened to remind, quote, remind Poland that their Western land was a gift from Russia. One of his top advisors, a former president of Russia, has called Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania Russia's Baltic provinces. These are all NATO allies. For 75 years, NATO has kept peace in Europe and has been the cornerstone of American security. And if Putin attacks a NATO ally, we will defend every inch of NATO which the treaty requires and calls for. We'll have something that we do not seek. Make it clear, we do not seek. We do not seek to have American troops fighting in Russia or fighting against Russia. Beyond Europe, we know that our allies and maybe most importantly our adversaries and competitors are watching. They're watching our response in Ukraine as well. And if we walk away and let Putin erase Ukraine's independence, would-be aggressors around the world be emboldened to try the same? The risk of conflict and chaos could spread in other parts of the world, in the Indo-Pacific, in the Middle East, especially in the Middle East. Iran is, is, is supporting Russia in Ukraine, and it's supporting Hamas and other terrorist groups in the region, and will continue to hold them accountable, I might add. The United States and our partners across the region are working to build a better future for the Middle East. One where the Middle East is more stable, better connected to its neighbors, and through innovative projects like the India Middle East Europe Rail Corridor that I announced this year at the summit of the world's biggest economies. More predictable markets, more employment, less rage, less grievances, less war when connected. It benefits the people, would benefit the people of the Middle East and would benefit us. American leadership is what holds the world together. 
American alliances will keep us, America, safe. American values are what make us a partner that other nations want to work with. To put all that at risk, if we walk away from Ukraine, we turn our backs on Israel, it's just not worth it. That's why tomorrow I'm going to send to Congress an urgent budget request to fund America's national security needs, to support our critical partners, including Israel and Ukraine. It's a smart investment that's going to pay dividends for American security for generations. Help us keep American troops out of harm's way. Help us build a world that is safer, more peaceful, more prosperous for our children and grandchildren. In Israel, we must make sure that they have what they need to protect their people today and always. The security package I'm sending to Congress and asking Congress to do is an unprecedented commitment to Israel's security that will sharpen Israel's qualitative military edge, which we've committed to, the qualitative the military edge. We're going to make sure Iron Dome continues to guard the skies over Israel. We're going to make sure other hostile actors in the region know that Israel is stronger than ever and prevent this conflict from spreading. Look, at the same time, President Netanyahu and I discussed again yesterday the critical need for Israel to operate by the laws of war. That means protecting civilians in combat as best as they can. And the people of Gaza urgently need food, water, and medicine. Yesterday, in discussions with the leaders of Israel and Egypt, I secured an agreement for the first shipment of humanitarian assistance from the United Nations to Palestinian civilians in Gaza. If Hamas does not divert or steal this shipment, these shipments, we're going to provide an opening for sustained delivery of life-saving humanitarian assistance for the Palestinians. As I said in Israel, as hard as it is, we cannot give up on peace. We cannot give up on a two-state solution. Israel and Palestinians equally deserve to live in safety, dignity, and peace. You know, and here at home, we have to be honest with ourselves. In recent years, too much hate has given too much oxygen, fueling racism, the rise of anti-Semitism, Islamic phobia, right here in America. It's also intensified in the wake of recent events that led to the horrific threats and attacks that both shock us and break our hearts. On October 7th, terror attacks have triggered deep scars and terrible memories in the Jewish community. Today, Jewish families worried about being targeted in school, wearing symbols of their face walking down the street, or going out about their daily lives. And I know many of you in the Muslim American community, the Arab American community, the Palestinian American community, and so many others are outraged and hearty, saying to yourselves, here we go again with Islamophobia and distrust we saw after 9-11. Just last week, a mother was brutally stabbed. A little boy here in the United States, a little boy who just turned six years old was murdered in their home outside of Chicago. His name was Wadiha, Wadiha proud American, a proud Palestinian-American family. We can't stand by and stand silent when this happens. We must, without equivocation, denounce anti-Semitism. We must also, without equivocation, denounce Islamophobia. And to all you hurting, those of you hurting, I want you to know I see you. You belong. And I want to say this to you. You're all America. You're all America. This is in a moment, you know, in moments like these, 
when fear and suspicion, anger and rage run hard, we have to work harder than ever to hold on to the values that make us who we are. We're a nation of religious freedom, freedom of expression. We all have a right to debate and disagree without fear of being targeted in schools or workplaces or in our communities. <clears throat> I must renounce violence and vitriol. See each other not as enemies, but as, but as fellow Americans. When I was in Israel yesterday, I uh, said that when America experienced the hell of 9-11, we felt enraged as well. While we sought and got justice, we made mistakes. So I cautioned the government of Israel not to be blinded by rage. In Congress, to make sure we can continue to send Ukraine the weapons they need to defend themselves and their country without interruption. So Ukraine can stop Putin's brutality in Ukraine. They are succeeding. When Putin invaded Ukraine, he thought he would take Kiev and all of Ukraine in a matter of days. Well, over a year later, Putin has failed and he continues to fail. Kiev still stands because of the bravery of the Ukrainian people. Ukraine has regained more than 50% of the territory Russian troops once occupied, backed by U.S.-led coalition of more than 50 countries around the world, all doing its part to support Kiev. What would happen if we walked away? We are the essential nation. Meanwhile, Putin has turned to Iran and North Korea to buy attack drones and ammunition to terrorize Ukrainian cities and people. From the outset, I've said, I will not send American troops to fight in Ukraine. All Ukraine is asking for is help, for the weapons, munitions, the capacity, the capability to push invading Russian forces off their land, and the air defense system to shoot down Russian missiles before they destroy Ukrainian cities. Let me be clear about something. We send Ukrainian equipment sitting in our stockpiles and when we use the money allocated by Congress, we use it to replenish our own stores, our own stockpiles with new equipment, equipment that, defeat, that defends America and is made in America. Patriot missiles for air defense batteries made in Arizona, artillery shells manufactured in 12 states across the country in Pennsylvania, Ohio, Texas, and so much more. You know, just as in World War II, Today, patriotic American workers are building the arsenal of democracy and serving the cause of freedom. Let me close with this. Earlier this year, I boarded Air Force One for a secret flight to Poland. There, I boarded a train with blacked out windows for a 10-hour ride each way to Kiev to stand with the people of Ukraine ahead of the one-year anniversary of their brave fight against Putin. I'm told I was the first American to enter a war zone not controlled by the United States military since President Lincoln. With me was just a small group of security personnel and a few advisors. But when I exited that train and met Zelensky, President Zelensky, I didn't feel alone. I was bringing with me the idea of America, the promise of America, to the people who are today fighting for the same things we fought for 250 years ago, freedom independence, self-determination. As I walked through Kiev with President Zelensky, with air raid sirens sounding in the distance, I felt something I've always believed, more strongly than ever before. America is a beacon to the world, still.
still. Whereas my friend Madeleine Albright said, the indispensable nation. Tonight, there are innocent people all over the world who hope because of us, who believe in a better life because of us, who are desperate not to be forgotten by us and are waiting for us. But time is of the essence. I know we have our divisions at home. <clears throat> we have to get past them. We can't let petty, partisan, angry politics get in the way of our responsibilities as a great nation. We cannot and will not let terrorists like Hamas and tyrants like Putin win. I refuse to let that happen. In moments like these, we have to remind, we have to remember who we are. We are the United States of America. The United States of America. And there is nothing, nothing beyond our capacity if we do it together. My fellow Americans, thank you for your time. May God bless you all. May God protect our troops. Hmm. So he's connecting Hamas and Russia, treating them like one and the same. That's dangerous language. Making this statement that they're not backing down the U.S., Those words alone, in my view, are a prelude to more escalation. Very dangerous. And this is exactly the kind of alignment that I really saw coming. I talked about this days ago in the very beginning of the, uh, this, this recent round of events in Israel with all these Arab states aligning with Russia against Israel, against the United States, against NATO. You can see the, the, the battle lines being drawn. You know, the, the, you can see where everything is lining up. To some people, it might not make sense. But if you really know the history and you really acknowledge the, the real history, you can understand why the alliances are forming the way that they are. And I would say this is more dangerous potentially than what we saw happen in World War II, because in World War II, people think, I think today, because of what they watch in Hollywood movies, at least here in the West, World War II was fought over the Jews, but it really, that wasn't what started World War II. It was the economic conditions as a result of the Versailles Treaty and the, um, the requirement for reparations imposed on Germany after World War I that created unbearable economic conditions in Germany, gave rise to the Nazis because Hitler offered an economic solution and renaissance 
arising of Germany. And he did build the Autobahn and engage in all kinds of public works and also fueled the economic recovery after disastrous inflation with the rebuilding of the German military, which was actually a violation of the Versailles Treaty. But he did it anyway. And now, what are we seeing? We're seeing this alignment. But in this case, it's not, it's about economics. It's about, it's about a lot of things that they're not really talking about. But on the surface, this is about the Jewish people versus the Palestinians. You pick a side. Which side are you going to be on? And if you think about it in these terms, you know, it's like Nazis versus what? The Jews? Mm, that's why Biden is talking about the rise in anti-Semitism. That it's not cut and dried. It's not black and white. You need to understand some of the history to see why this makes sense. And it's, you know, didn't Russia win World War II and didn't Russia end everything at the concentration camps for the Jewish? Yeah, they, they did. But you go back and look at your history, like the Jewish people were hated by all kinds of people. And even after World War II, a lot of the um, the killings of Jewish people were not necessarily denied, but they were, they were downplayed um, by the old Soviet Union because of the way some of that stuff happened. And I'm, I've made reference to even the, um, uh, the invasion of Poland. That wasn't just Germany. Germany came in on one side. Soviet Union came in on the other side. They split it up. They both invaded Poland. This stuff with the, the history of the Jewish people, it's, it's not, not black and white. That's why even today in some of those old Soviet bloc countries, the number of Jewish people who were killed it's still not really entirely known because some of that information was suppressed for a long time because of the way some of the people honestly brought out the worst in humanity and a lot of people participated in the killings where they ratted out their neighbors, their Jewish neighbors. There was all kinds of stuff like that that went on. It's not simple. Who's a Nazi? What's a Nazi today? It's just a word, man. Darkness runs through all human hearts. It's what we do with ourselves and the choices we make in the end that determine who we really are. My God, we're not We're not any better than we were before. Most of us 
just have forgotten the history or never learned it. And if we did learn the history, we didn't learn the lessons. Just knowing the dates, knowing even about the events, doesn't matter if you don't understand why the human beings who did what they did, did what they did. It's because it's in all of us. God forbid we get to the point where too many people are forced into a situation again where they have to choose which side. Because during the pandemic, we were put to the test, weren't we? Yeah. And a lot of people failed, didn't they? Looks like we're being put to the test again in my estimation. Choose wisely. Gonna take a break, we're gonna go to the phones. Greetings, brave mavericks. Our quest for truth continues. We go beyond fake news. Together we expose propaganda. Together we pull others out of rabbit holes. We are maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals, individuals, defenders of individual rights and freedoms, credible, trusted, grounded in reality. Maverick News, Maverick News. Defending free speech, free speech, speech. Donate at freedomreporters.com. Do it now. Tomorrow may be too late. Too late, too late, too late. Maverick News. The world is watching. Okay, I'm trying to get the things punched in. A little difficult to punch this and punch that and punch everything all at the same time when I'm also trying to run everything else. So I kind of got timed out there. Got to try it one more time. Hang on. Just uh, you guys can watch this while I do that. We are Mavericks. 
We say no to the Trudeau and Biden New World Order. And to bugs. Because bugs are creepy and gross. And people should not eat bugs. Maverick News. The world is watching. Okay, I'm back. We're ready to start taking calls. Let's take our first call tonight. Here's Neil on the line. Hello. You got the mouth of a South American on a plan to master all your disasters, Rick. How's it going, what man? What a, crazy, what a crazy world we're in. Yes, sir, it is. What do you think? Crazy, crazy, crazy. <laughs> what am I thinking? Well, when you see uh, newsletters go across the feed that uh, Mohammed's canceling the uh, Save the Children protest, well, guess what, Mohammed? This is my fucking country, and I'm going to protest, like it or not. I don't give a fuck what Mohammed's got to say, or any of them. You guys want to protest? Go back to your own stinking fucking country and protest. Right? So These are the people that are going to be stabilized. Um, that guy, what's his name? Mohammed Al Khalil or something? From the, uh, he's the guy who organized the, the 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 main organizer for the first one, right? Right. Yeah. Well, he had nothing to do with the second one, by the way. Oh, okay. Okay, it had nothing to do with him, right? So. I don't know where they bought it in and said, well, you know, whatever. But there could be some clashes down there because, you know, they're protesting, obviously. Uh, the Palestinians are protesting probably around the same time as us. Who knows? Yeah. Our start at 11 a.m., right? So, mm -hmm. so I don't is give this, a fuck. This thing's at the end. Saturday? Is that when it is? Saturday. Yep, Saturday. And do you know how right. many cities are doing this in? Cool. Are you doing how many cities is it in? Do you know, Leo? Uh, Edmonton's got a big one going on. Bonita, what's her last name? I don't know. Do you know who Bonita is? No, I don't she's, she, she, you should get her. You should get her on the show. She's very well spoken. She's one of the main organizers for the one in Edmonton. They're having a big one. It's going on all across the land. So don't you know. It is what it is. As for Ron, uh, Jeremy, and the rest of them all fucking flip flopping and running out of town. Hopefully, uh, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know what to make of that. I don't know. You know, me either. Don't know. You know, my my saying at work is, uh, "When in doubt, get the fuck out." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, you know, that, that's kind of what I'm thinking. It's like, uh, what's he know? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, you know, I, don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm working on million dollar projects all day long. Now, like I said, when in doubt, get the fuck out. When I have to second guess myself on something that I've been doing for 33 fucking years, when I'm in doubt, I get the fuck out. And I don't care what time of day it is. Because you know what? That means I can't think properly, right? So yeah. <laughs> I run. <laughs> and, and I even put that in my lineup. 
for my boss to see, and he loves it, right? Because you know what? At least I'm not going to make a mistake where it's going to cost the company money to fix, right? But it's pretty weird what's going on right now. There's a lot of contracts coming, and from what I'm hearing, okay, uh, a lot of contracts that are coming our way, and uh, we're security fenced in the whole nine yards. We're, what is it, four rated security level four facility. Right. Uh, so everything from aerospace to who knows, maybe bombs. Okay. That, that shit comes our way. Right. So in a switch, a, a flick of the switch, we could switch over from auto to military in a New York second that quick. Yeah. Right. Mm. We just clear the books and start over. Right. So, yeah, just to, you know, to, I, I so people understand talking. if they're listening, Leo works at a, a machine shop. Right. Yeah, yeah, the largest tool shop in North America. I'm not going to say the name, uh, but uh, yeah, it is what it is. Uh, now, what I thought was pretty funny is last week, I think I did mention on your show, and I sent you a message today, how uh, this war and how Joe Biden has uh, the oil reserves gone down Venezuela, everybody's going to be looking for Venezuela's oil. And voila, what do we have today? Oh, and the spite of the, uh, the, uh, the elections going on in uh, Venezuela, the, uh, they're going to lift the sanctions on Venezuela for what? For oil, buddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, call, I called it last week, yeah. right? So Venezuela will be pumping. The Alberta will be pumping. That's a given. Yeah. Right, so times are changing for a lot of a lot of people, right? And, but the fun, the great thing is this: as long as there's no houses uh, house speaker in the U.S. Congress or wherever he speaks, okay, mm-hmm. they can't pass toilet paper to wipe their asses. So they can't pass no bills that uh, hey, uh, here's relief for uh, Israel or Ukraine, which is a good thing because right now, without money, you don't have war. You have war till you run out of bullets and run out of bombs and run out of whatever fuel, okay? But if there's no bills being passed, you're not getting shit. No soup for you. Well, he wants another $100 billion. Oh, my God. He ain't going to get 10 cents. You see, see, see the problem they're having over there trying to get a, a, a speaker? Yes. In the house? Yeah. They have a big problem. If they thought the last one, remember, uh, who was it, McCarthy? Yep. With McCarthy. Okay, uh, how many times? 15 times took two days. Well, this has been going on for over a week now. And I see Jim Jordan. Okay, Last I looked, Jim Jordan said he was willing to support the um, the use of a, of a temporary speaker. But I'm not sure where that went after I saw it. I'm not sure where they're at right now. They don't have one. Yeah. And without one, nothing gets done. Everything's to a halt. Right? Uh I I don't know what to make of it. I think it's the great thing, actually, because without money, you don't have war, right? So the longer it goes, the better off it is in the U.S. And then our speaker, I think I sent I, I sent you a link to check out. I was watching uh, uh, who was it? Misunderstood baby, I think it is. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah, Mr. Yeah. Mr. Sunshine baby, that guy. Yeah. Yeah. And he had her, his seat. did you see that crock of shit that happened in the House of Commons? No, I did not. No, what happened? Well, at 2.15 every day, we're supposed to, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and I think Thursday, they have uh, 
the government where they speak, right? Yeah, question period. Okay. Yeah. Right, question period every day. Mm-hmm. Okay, and never has ever a speaker ever opened up, okay, uh, with suggestions and this and that. Okay, it goes right to speaking, right? And and he had a little uh, a little saying to say. It took twenty two minutes. They tied it. He tied it up for twenty two minutes because he wanted to say something that was irrelevant to anything. Okay, to what's going on? And a lot of people are saying it's because Justin Trudeau's later, right? But uh, the conservatives tried feeding it to him, right? was just a mess just a mess that was going on there in the house of commons hmm. it's a disgrace all around politically politically speaking you know why are you who was that the uh, uh the uh the uh prime minister of barbados yeah yeah <laughs> was it a guy or a girl i couldn't make out hmm. i took my magnifying glass out to your screen and i seen a five o'clock shadow okay so i don't know if it's a guy or a girl or an it or whatever you want to call it right uh, but what a disgrace. What a disgrace. What are you even doing there? You know, it's pretty bad when the rest of the world don't want to talk to Justin Trudeau, so he's got to go to banana republics. Do we need potassium to make batteries? Are they going to take the potassium from the bananas that they're producing and put it in our batteries somehow? I'm, I'm not sure I follow you. Thing, right? I'm, not, I'm not sure I follow you with that. What was what was the whole case of the Bar- Barbados uh, conference? There's bigger, badder things going on on the world stage, and he's not being called. So it just shows you, you know, the uh, the world leaders have lost trust in Justin Trudeau in our government, and they don't call him for anything now, right? We become we become a banana republic. Well, everything they talked about was woke. Everything. SDGs, climate change, um, everything was about globalism, reparations. Oh, I love that. North to south. I, you know, it was painful to watch on your show. I watch it anyways. What am I going to do? I'm at work, right? I know it is painful Uh, to watch, but you, you know, like we, I, I think you have to watch the stuff. You need to know, right, to understand. Oh yeah, it's just it's hilarious. It's it's hilarious, okay. What he's talking about, how 90% or 95% of the people that pay the carbon tax get the money back. Full fucking shit. Not true. Okay. I must be, I'm part of the 5% that don't get 10 cents, that, that don't get a nickel back. Period. Yeah. It's I don't get true. nothing back. Okay. It's not true. Exactly. And how you stated down, now we're paying a dollar sixty a liter for, for fuel. Yep. Okay. Uh, you know, we should be getting back a dollar a liter for every fuel, <laughs> every dollar we spend on fuel. You yeah. should be getting something back, right? <laughs> yeah. You don't get nothing back. Nope. Nope. You know, and then the scrub, scrub the earth, okay, and he calls himself an environmentalist. I wonder what the Green Party really thinks of all this EV bullshit, because, you know, what? they're the ones that are supposed to be the protective party of the earth, okay? And uh, like you said, scrubbing the earth, the trees, the animals, yeah. displacement of this and that. It's uh, the worst. Right. It is. Polluting the waterways. Water's our lifeline. Water. Massive amounts of water right. to, to do that kind of mining under pressure, right? It's like just so destructive. This EV is. revolution is going to be, it'll go down as the worst environmental disaster in in human history. You'll see. I, I'm afraid so. Yep. I'm afraid so. They don't know what they're talking about, right? Yeah. And then for him to sit there and talk about World War II with the Barbadian fucking prime minister, 
or whatever you want to call that thing. Okay. If you knew anything about World War II, you wouldn't allow a Nazi to speak in the House of Commons, buddy. He should shut his fucking mouth whenever he talks about any world war because he should have took a course in history before he opens his mouth. He's an embarrassment to all of us, right? And a lot of people are fed up. I'm surprised something, you know, really I am. I'm <laughs> Canadian people, we're pretty constrained because I'm surprised something hasn't happened to them, you know? You get a lot of they need very to, far they, right wings out there. They need to tighten up the security around him because he is he's going out into public and he's walking through these crowds. We've seen it, and the people are screaming at him. And it's dangerous for him to be out there like that. I'm just telling you, they need to tighten up I the security. So. I think so, Rick. I think it's very dangerous, especially these times. Yep. Now you you know in the last month not in the last month okay just the last month he's pissed off the Jews by the Nazi in the House of Commons okay really pissed off India mm-hmm. okay uh, he's pissed off the Muslims he's pissed off uh, uh, ordinary Canadians mm-hmm. okay he's pissed a lot of people off the Polish okay uh, by his rhetoric it's 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 insane that he's still even sitting in power right it is. Riding I, on his, I've never seen anything like it. Riding on his name. Well, it makes you think it don't matter who you get in next. How, how do you get him out if you don't produce what he's supposed to be producing? A better country. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you get the next prime minister if it's Pierre Polyev and he don't do anything that he says? He's all lip service. And, uh, you know, what do you do then? Well, you're stuck with him for four years to an election. It's like, man, oh, man. I don't know, man. I don't get it. We'll see. We'll see. Trudeau's days are numbered. Okay, Mr. Rick. Thank you, sir. Yeah, no doubt. You know, have a good day, buddy. All right. See you. Here's John. Hello, John. How's it going, man? That that was a guy, by the way, Leo. (laughs) What guy? I'm still here. Trudeau was talking to. It was a guy? Yeah, it was a guy. Did you do your research on it? Did you Google no, it? No, no, I can just, uh, I'm good at, I'm good at those people. I, I'm, I'm around them a lot, so I, I can tell. Okay. The way it's, they speak. It's, huh? it's, it's Thursday night, John. What's your picks for Sunday, buddy? Oh. Lions. You want, I, I got, a, I got them all. The Lions I don't like. Don't, don't bet the Lions. <laughs> Don't bet the Lions. Here, here. I got them all circled already. Look at this. I got Jacksonville tonight. But uh, Tampa Bay, New England, Cleveland, Baltimore, Las Vegas, Washington, uh, Seattle. No money. The Rams. I like the Rams big time. Uh, uh, Green Bay, KC, Philadelphia. I like the Rams big time. Uh, where's my bets? Look at I've already I I've spent about fifteen hundred bucks already on, Did you? on football. Oh yeah. Okay, uh, hey Rick. Rick Rick. Yeah. Fox Fox had Fox had John Madden. Maverick has Johnny Boy. So you're gonna get your weekly picks from Johnny Boy on Maverick. Uh, Maverick. No, I don't want to do that. <laughs> then you're gonna cut my odds. Everybody's gonna be betting on it. I took Cleveland. <laughs> Detroit, uh, I took Baltimore, not Detroit. Las Vegas is a good bet. That's a good bet there. Okay, so we heard it. You you picked Baltimore. I got Detroit. Okay, I'm a diehard Detroit. Washington, Washington, 
Pitts, L.A. Rams. That's a good one. I took Green Bay. Uh, I took the under in that one. Jacksonville tonight. I got that one. The Eagles. I got the Eagles. And the best. The rest are all just over and unders. For now. You spent fifteen hundred dollars on that. I bet a hundred bucks a game. Detox. Sometimes I bet two hundred. Anybody that knows me, who sat with me or hung out with me, you know what kind of a person I am. I'm not a drinker. I take this very fucking serious. This movement. That's why in these camps, I address everybody. Okay, that at the end of the day, there's so many people that come up to me. It gets exhausting. So therefore, I like to go back in the evening time and relax a little bit. Relax. Just thought I'd bring Take a little Ron Clark for myself to recuperate. It's oh. exhausting trying to save this country. You just mentioned so many me. people sitting at home doing nothing, taking our live McKenzie. videos and making a mockery out of them. What have you guys done for this movement besides destroy it? You guys don't care about the people in this country or the children. If you did, you'd and be Morgan sitting May somewhere like fighting for this country and the children. But Instead, what are you guys doing? Misinformation out there because you don't even know who we are. I've been called everything underneath the sun. I'm still standing here today fighting for the country and fighting for the children in this country. Are you? Now, I thought you left. Let's go to Castleman camp. Didn't he leave? Beautiful camp. Okay. <laughs> he left, right? Is yeah, he heard. He left. So much. Why? Because he's protecting a pedophile <laughs> protector. Who's that? That is me. So Norm is taking so many shots in the back right now, trying to protect me. I stand with Norm. I stand with Gordy. I stand What's with George. What started this? And when we're in this movement here, and you guys are all concerned about Chris and Tamara in court, what about the four Cooch boys that are sitting there still I'm locked up talking for about over this 600 for the past days? Week or two. Didn't even get to see their family. Denied that? bail. James Sowery. Could be facing jail time for running over a fucking pylon and using his truck as a deadly weapon. Art Palowski almost sentenced to court into jail. He's freezing. As well, for standing up for this country. Mm -hmm. Anybody who went to that convoy to Ottawa the first time, you knew the sacrifices that you were going to take. You knew them before you left. I knew it, that I could potentially go to jail if something happens, but I still went there. So how many people were actually in it for the money when they seen that GoFundMe going through the roof? Huh? That's the question. Because every time we do a movement out there, people are stopping us, bashing us. Oh my God, you guys are grifting. So me selling a hoodie or somebody giving me $50, it cost me $600 a month just for my, my cell phone bill, not including the gas driving around showing you guys all these live videos. We're actually trying to do something for this country. This country what? is going to shit. We got people sitting in Ottawa going to the House of Commons. Remember, open to the public. But because they don't like your narrative, they kick them out. It happened two days in a row because they uh -huh. don't like the narrative. Well, okay? The government is the one that you guys should be bashing and going after. Not the one like standing the up in this country trying to do something. So just remember who your heroes are. Those heroes are the ones that stood on the side of the road at minus 35, holding up a sign, calling you guys a hero. The ones that got their ass kicked in Ottawa on the front line. The ones that got trampled by the horses. Did Ron the ones Clark that are get still beat out up in Ottawa? Every single day, holding up a sign, going to the ledge going to the MPs, 
Those are the heroes out Where there. Where leave then, too? Not the ones that are still got their platforms. Pat King got his platform taken away and silenced, was in jail. George, the same thing. But no, okay. these other two heroes out there still roaming around Bruce. out there doing everything that they want. Nothing happened to them. Uh -huh. Now, when it gets into this political shit, anybody out there that's creating a platform, APP, the Buffalo Party, the PPC, I don't give two shits about you guys. You guys are not doing nothing. Okay, absolutely nothing. You're going to get a couple votes and percentages. You're not going to make a difference, but you're taking people's hard-earned money trying to do something. Mm. Why don't we all stand together across this whole entire country and say enough is enough, come together, and go after the fucking real criminals that are running this country? They put Nazis in the parliament and gave them a standing ovation. But here we are bitching back and forth about each other that, oh, Ron is trying to make some money. He's grifting out there. Norm is grifting out there. Gordy's grifting out there. George is grifting out there. But what have you guys done? I don't really Besides cause division. Grift all you want platforms. for all I care. That's you guys have I platforms. Use them for the goodness. Don't use them just so you can get more followers out there. Like I've always told everybody, this platform was, was given convoy, to me, man. and I'm going to use it for the good. I'm not here trying to people, divide yeah. people. I'm just calling a spade a spade right now. Mm -hmm. So if you want to make a difference, stop bashing people and get off your ass and get out there and do something and stand with the rest of us trying to make a difference in this country. So I'm sorry that it had to come down to this, but I'm tired of being called a pedophile protector when my own daughter, my own daughter, I put a Mark guy in Clark's jail a pedophile for that protector. shit. Okay? So calling me a pedophile protector, but I hear one more thing about that. That shit, because people don't want to come to camp. Why? Because Norm is. Is this about the pedophile, pedophile protector? Okay, bullshit. Shame on you guys. One more word, and I've got every single person's Snapchats, your comments that you guys put out there. I never accused okay. Ron Clark every of being single a pedophile. Name, plus everything is, is, you said. Is he? Okay, that's cyberbullying. That's a big offense too. And because you're coming after me, what's this all about? I don't know anything court. about it. So keep it up. Keep it up. I'm trying to do something for this country and protect the children and the children's generations to come. But except because you're just bashing the shit out of me. Why? Because you're fucking jealous of my platform or you're jealous of somebody else's? Enough is enough. No. Stand up and do something for this country or we're all screwed. First Nations people, I love you guys. And you guys are being hosed just like the rest of us. So let's put our differences aside. Quebec, it is time that you stand with Alberta once again. I love you guys. Mean? Don't understand a word you're Stand. saying, but I love you, what you guys. What are you doing? I'm trying my best to listen to you guys. So he doesn't want to. But it's time we all come together and stand side by side to fix this country. If not, I will just go home, sit what on my couch, take care of my family, take care of my property, and live my life and wait till the government comes and takes everything from So he doesn't want the PPC. He so doesn't want the Buffalo Party. He doesn't want anybody this, to run for enough office. Enough is enough. I love so each and every one of you guys. Doesn't believe in democracy, I guess. I'm my damn best to so, try to do something for this what country. What do you want to do then? And I keep getting stabbed in the back by everything, but I'm not going to quit. I, I'm heading home okay. to take care of shit at home, mm -hmm. and then I'm coming back to Ottawa After to help people again. What? So enough with the shit out there. Just either stand with us or move along. You so-called super people out there, you know what I'm talking about. Because I have sat down with many people in this movement. Well, we've got to start doing stuff for ourselves to make money. I'm not in it for the money. 
I never was and I never will be. I've given out thousands of dollars since I left a month ago. I've given out gas cards. I've bought closets, chairs, tables, whatever needed for the camp. I did it all. And I've given so much away. And what do I get in return? All on disability. I'm in the nuts. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm still standing here and I'm still going to be moving forward. And I hope many of you guys will be standing with us to try to save this country. Jeez. The kids are important. What? This country what is, is this? important. If we don't save the country, we're going to lose How the How do children. you save the country we're going to lose by the land, the water, the air? We're How are you saving the country? What's he doing? So when are you guys going to stand up better, and say enough is enough? What does he, he want better people? be building an ark. What's he doing? That is my rant. He thinks this flood's bad now. But I love you guys. And just remember who your real heroes are. It's the ones still standing out there trying to make a difference in this country. Okay. Not the ones out there that you're paying to go hear them speak. It's the same shit we hear every single day. He doesn't look sincere. The ones we need to reach are the ones that are not listening. He's a little upset. Why do you think I never get on a stage and speak? Do it. Do it on the parliament. Do it out in public so all those people walking by can hear it. So I'm hearing Instead that of charging people to come on a show all the first to hear the same shit that we talk about every day camp. to the same group of people and that know what's going on in the taking over the whole movement or something. Man, is that difficult? So it's all falling apart. It's not difficult. Start speaking in public. Norman wants to save the so kids. Tourist or terrorist, Norman wants to save the kids for himself. Can hear <laughs> what is happening. Mainstream media, CTV, Global News, CBC. Start speaking the truth or you're going to be held accountable. How? So the first mainstream media. What's he going to do? That wants to have this story and try to be a hero. Step up now or you guys are going to be held accountable just like this fucking government that's destroying the country. Okay. Pick a side. MPs, pick a side because you're going to be held accountable for crimes against humanity. So many uh, people are dying and yet you're pushing the jabs safe and effective, right. safe and effective. How is There's he people hold dying constantly because of this? So enough is enough. Start standing up together or keep your mouth shut. Okay? It's that simple. Like my mom always or, told me, right, right, nothing nice to or say. What? Don't say nothing at all. So or what? I love each and every one of you guys. God bless each and every one of you guys. Sorry that I'm swearing tonight because this is a side that nobody ever sees. Okay? And this is why in the evening time I like to just chill people are more than welcome to come up and hang out with me get to know who i am understand who i am and why i'm in this movement but stop with the misinformation stop destroying families and stop destroying people enough so i love you guys let me take care of my stuff at home and i'll see you guys back in ottawa love you guys <laughs> so he, he he went he went from not an organizer to what did he say in his last sentence almost sir um, his uh, movement <laughs> for Christ's sake oh man oh he, he says he's got a flood he better build an ark he better build a fucking big ark because I'm hearing through the grapevine that uh, some people are looking to give him a couple black eyes. Oh. <laughs> you know, that's, that's no word of a lie. 
Well, I didn't get the first part of his little broadcast there, but he seems pretty upset. I don't know what that's all. He's about. fired up. Yeah, pedophile accused of a pedophile thing. What's that? I, I, well, Norman's supposedly a, a Norman's supposed to be a, supposedly a pedophile. I hear, right? Oh so my. he's there well, to save the kids, all right? Right? Uh, he's there to save the kids for himself. Well, we we can't. We have. We don't want to do anything that's going to put anybody in legal jeopardy here. So there's no proof of that at all. Just saying. Right. Right. That's what he said. That's what he said. Right, um, that's what he said. He said that Norman people are accusing Norman of being a pedophile. Well, fuck. Mm. Well, I don't know. Okay, John Madden, mm. I got to get back to work. That was nice, Rick. Okay. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, I, uh, Rick, I, yeah. I sent you a copy of my last week my Detroit winning ticket. I, I, oh, I, I told you to send it to Leo. I, I, I just wanted to make sure I wasn't bullshit. That's all. That's all. Oh, okay. So. So listen, uh, um, I'm trying to uh, see if I got my history straight. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the West Bank, they, they've been fighting decades. Mm -hmm. And it, it originally was uh, owned by the Palestinians, okay? Mm -hmm. And then the, the Jewish took over. Now they own it, right? Mm, own it, I guess. Of, Control it. Of, yeah. It's part of Jerusalem now. They're all Jews there. Mm-hmm. Um the Gaza Strip, <clears throat> they were, they handed, I guess they handed that a long time ago, just to not argue. Yeah. And now they want it back. They want to demolish it. They're telling everybody to get out. Because once you leave, you're not coming back. It's going to be all rubble. There's nothing mm -hmm. to come back to. And the, okay. the Jewish are going to rebuild it. It's prime land. Breach, breach, uh, beachfront. So they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna sell it. Real estate is gonna be a a fortune there. It's right right on the beachfront, eh? Mm -hmm. uh, that's what I that's my take. That's that's what's happening. You know, it's all about land grab. That's what I think, anyways. But uh, yeah. I don't know. Something's weird. This whole thing. Yeah, everything's it, weird like around Biden, this. It's like Joe Biden tonight talking. You know. Uh, that song, that song, it says, it's all about, he says, she says, bullshit. I think you better quit letting that shit slip or you'll be leaving with a big fat lip. <laughs> it's all about, he says, he says, bullshit. I think you better quit <laughs> that shit, punk. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you've ever heard that song. but it's No, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh Limp Biscuit, yeah. Anyways, it's uh, that's that that song. That's where it goes, you know. It's uh, oh, okay. Um, uh, there's another thing. Yesterday, you missed it, Rick. What's that? I watched the BBC all day long. You know, I'm, I'm oh, yeah? addicted to the BBC because all they talk about is the war. You're addicted right? to BBC? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because all they talk about is the war, right? <laughs> and, 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 and they're showing they're showing Gaza. They got miles and miles right. underground tunnels, and these right. hostages, like I don't know, three hundred of them or something like that. Like hundred and ninety. They got them under the, in, maybe more. I don't know. They're in the tunnels. They got them in the tunnels. Yeah. So the if they blow up the tunnels, they're going to kill their own people, right? 
And yeah. they were saying, if Israel going to go in there, they're going to get slaughtered because they, they know these guys mm -hmm. know the tunnels. They got their secret hiding spots. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They're going to get ambushed. So it's not a good idea, but it, this, it's going to be hard to take, get them out of there without killing your your own people, you know? Um, mm -hmm. Oops. Another thing the BBC showed last night that you didn't show, uh, Putin, he, he was in China yesterday. Yeah. He went to China, mm -hmm. and they showed him, and he had two security guards walking behind him with the... Uh, the the nuke uh, briefcase. They both had nuclear briefcase. The, mm -hmm. you know, the what do they call them? The footballs. Yep. Right. Yep. Two two guys walking with footballs right behind Putin at all times. <laughs> that guy means business. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> He's in China. You don't see Joe Biden. Uh, nobody walking around with a football behind him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, they can get ambushed. And uh, nothing's gonna happen. It's too late. Too late, man. Yeah. So yeah, I guess no, that were, was, uh, that was and Xi Jinping were discussing, you know, the Middle East yesterday, and other yep. common threats, as they put it. Yeah. Yep. But what freaked me out is they showed the video, two guys walking behind Putin at all times with with the. With the footballs, you know. Yeah. Those. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That that's a real leader. That guy. Oh yeah. He knows yeah. what he's doing. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. He's a strong leader. No, no doubt about that, Putin. And Xi Jinping that's, too. Uh, yeah, they're both strong leaders. No question. Yeah. They're looking they're out both for the strong, yes. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, he's not taking no chances. No. He he means business. You know. Oh, he does like, mean he's business. Gonna, he's, a, he's a cool cucumber. He's, yeah. you know, he's very <laughs> measured in what he does. Yeah, as uh, cucumbers. Yeah, I was at Walmart. I bought uh, four of them today. They're like a dollar twenty or something. Wow. Cucumber. I like cucumbers. I like cucumbers, man. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> cool cucumbers. Yeah. I'm not much of a fan. Anyways, actually, but yeah. You don't like cucumbers? No, I'm not a big fan. They're too They're watery. Yeah. Oh yeah, but uh, yeah, I like them. I think they're uh, refreshing. Anyways, anyways, I <laughs> I gotta watch what I, uh, I I just went and got blood work and they put me on uh, cholesterol pills now. I said, what the heck? I, I said, look, my your cholesterol is a little high. I said, just mm -hmm. a little. I said, well, it's good to have high cholesterol. No? I'm telling you, I'm on like. Six, six or seven pills now. I go, what? Every time I go to the doctors, they put me on a pill. No. They, no, they must no. make money off it, eh? No doubt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, they're profiting. You're, you're their mortgage payer offer. That's what you are. You know, I test myself every morning, sometimes twice a day, my blood sugar, mm -hmm. and it's really low. And, uh, so I stopped taking two pills. <laughs> I was supposed to take these pills uh, t uh, twice a day, once after supper, uh, w w whatever they're called, mm -hmm. for high blood pressure, not high blood pressure, uh, for sugar level, diabetes, and still low. So screw them. I'm I'm not <laughs> taking them. 
and but I'm taking <laughs> it's and then she my old Zempic she bumped it up to uh 0.75 Are you still on a, that Ozempic stuff? You still taking that? Oh yeah, I've lost uh, everybody. Everybody laughs at me. I I've been on it for like two months and I've lost about five pounds. <laughs> I go, oh, it really working, eh? <laughs> lost about five pounds. I says, well, at least I lost five pounds. <laughs> I says, give me another month. I, I got to go off. Does it make How do you feel when you're taking it? Well, that's what she said to me. She says, do you feel nausea? upset stomach you have diarrhea i said none of the above oh so you're you're okay with it eh? okay i'm gonna boost it up to from 0.5 to <laughs> 0.75 and the next one will be one <laughs> good luck getting one i i i uh, the pharmacy she says oh we we're having a hard problems getting the the one the one everybody's taking the one right now and it's really hard to get you're gonna have to take 0.5 twice <laughs> oh my god no i'm gonna go I, i'll give it another two months rick and then i'm gonna go off this shit but it, it does curve my appetite though yeah. i'm not hungry anymore as mu- not as much I, i'm hungry but not as much well that's so, good that's good uh, i guess i'm a little bit overweight uh, i said she's did you get my dover picks did I get I, you? I must be sent. Oh. Port Dover picks. Did I get you? a bunch of Port Dover picks. No, I haven't seen anything come through yet. R.W. Uh, um, Walker or something? Oh, Anyways. yeah. No, I, I'll have to check. I haven't seen those, though. No. Anyhow, they went through, but uh, they had a nice Chevy truck for sale there. I, I took uh-huh. pictures of it. I sent you it. I think they wanted seventeen grand for an old Chevy, original, never mm-hmm. been in the snow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a phone number there if you're interested. <laughs> uh, well, but, I, I have a car yeah, sitting no, in the garage that I've been trying to get to to fix it up for three years now, but I've been sitting in this stupid chair so much that uh, I just haven't had time. Yeah. That, you were showing Russia yesterday, those cars, Ladas or yeah, whatever. Yeah, Ladas, yeah, Russian brand, yeah. Do you know those, all the malls in Russia, like they closed down like Starbucks, but they're still there. Yeah. They just changed the name. Yeah, they changed, they changed the name. The name. Yeah. They just, but they're, they're still, it's still owned by, you know, Starbucks or whatever, right? Yep. Just, just, they don't have, they don't have uh well, in some cases, the, those companies still own them, and in other cases, they, you know, the franchise owners or whatever have split off, and they've just done other things. Because we had, um, yeah, yeah, and some, somebody some, talking yes. about that, yeah. And now you have I these different brands kind of gaining market share over there because some brands are not there at all or have a don't have as much of a presence in Russia. So uh, I'm a lot surprised. Of Price of cars there, man, that's a good price. Yes, right? a lot oh, less yeah. money. A lot less money. I wonder how much they they make for income. I don't think it's that much though. Eh? Kind of balances mm-hmm. out if uh, you know average paycheck here is like you know forty to sixty thousand. Over there, you're 
probably making twenty thousand. Huh? Don't know. I don't know. I'd have to. I'd have to. I don't know. Wow, what? But that that wow. could be the factor uh, why everything's so cheap. You know, but I don't know. Like, I buy distilled water from Walmart. I was at Walmart today. Distilled water was ninety. I've been buying it for the longest time, ninety-seven cents. Mm-hmm. I go, but today they've upped it to a dollar twenty now, from ninety-seven uh-huh. cents. Dollar yeah. Yeah. twenty. Yeah. Everything's going up. And there's another twenty so, percent, approximately. Yeah, yeah. but uh, anyhow, we'll uh, well let you go, I guess. Okay. Well, thank you, John, for calling in tonight again. As always, I appreciate it. I'll take a look for those pictures. I sent you a firebird. I, I sent you a picture of a firebird in the mail. I don't know if you got it, but no, I'll take you a look. Should have got it by it. now. How? What? What? How? Like a new, <laughs> a newer firebird or an older firebird? Old, old one, old one. Yeah, yeah. No, I just had oh. had had a some money wrapped in that. That's what I put. Ah, <laughs> a picture of a fire. I think you like firebirds. I don't know if you like. I firebirds. used to own a firebird. I had a 1975. Oh. Firebird. Oh, maybe that's one I sent you—a seventy-five Firebird, yellow one. No, mine was I think red. It was. Mine was red. Oh, yeah. oh, you owned the Firebird. There I did. you go. So I, I sent the right car for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a long I, I time got... ago. A long time ago, when I was young. The, yeah. You also show, showed that uh, that girl on the bike. Uh, uh, oh. I, Debbie, There's what's a, her name? Yeah. The, bike, <laughs> the bike show. I, yeah. It's coming up in January. Uh, oh, yeah. Out by the airport, international. I go to that every year, and uh, they have the uh, the bikes doing stunts. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're on the internet. Crusty Demons. They're, it's uh, These guys are these guys are crazy. The Crusty Demons? demons? Yeah, yeah, you should see the stunts they do. It's online. Oh, there's a lot of stuff online. Is it, this um, is a current thing, is it? Yeah, yeah. I met the guy last year. He gave me a poster or signed and uh, gave me the website, all the Krusty Demons uh, videos on there. These guys are crazy. You should see this. They're just young kids, eh? Yeah. And uh, the Hells Angels, they were there. And on Harley's, oh man, uh, I don't know how they get away with it. They're, they're inside, they got these Harleys and they're burning rubber like crazy, doing one wheelers with somebody in the back. They got girls in the back. Uh, they got guys in the back, and I, and they're doing like one wheelers and they're burning rubber. The whole place is full of smoke. You know, they, they open the overhead doors to get some smoke out, but I don't know. It's it's full of smoke and. This is one girl. I don't understand how she gets away. She's popping wheelies like right up, and she's got her hand on the ground. I said to her after, I says, "You know what?" What did I say to her? I said, "Keep. It's better to keep your feet on the ground than underground." <laughs> yeah, she, she, these guys. I don't know how they're they're, they're crazy. They're crazy. They're just young kids. All all these bunk. Uh, bike stunt stunt guys they're all young kids they're all evil can evils well i I would i would run the footage but i think it's all copyrighted stuff so i'm not gonna gonna touch it but 
it, um, it could be, yeah. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, but yeah, but, what what they do today on those motorcycles is uh, absolutely phenomenal. When you compare it to what yeah. Debbie was doing back in the 1970s, doing like a headstand on uh, on her motorcycle, just like in stationary. Yeah, that, that was good. <laughs> it was you good. Know, like, yeah, but nothing like what they do today. It's insane. Well, today they're, they're, they're I don't know. It's kind of uh, crazy. Like, I, 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 I'm surprised these guys are still in one piece. Yeah. Um, What's that other site here? I'm looking at. I'm looking at my. I got. I got a lot of bookmarks because I. Uh, I'm into this shit. Uh, I, I. I don't. I don't. I wouldn't. I don't do it because it's dangerous. But. Um, yeah, I don't do that stuff either. No, no. I. Like, no. when I was young, I used to. I used to have a bike and, tra uh, road, uh, trail bikes. You know, I used to go mm -hmm. crazy on those things get crazy though. on the road i didn't like it on the road they slide on the sand and people cut you off and i said no way man no way um crusty demons here we go highway what's highway there what is it yeah these guys are crazy they're they're uh harleys harleys that they burn rubber like a lot of rubber Anyways, well, highway heavens. Yeah. Anyways, well, we better wrap okay, it up. Man. Thank you, John. Yeah, it's getting there. Yeah, appreciate you have it. Have a good so night. You too. Talk to okay, you later. Bye. bye. All right. Yeah, that gets us to nine fourteen p.m. So let me just uh, get rid of that and get rid of this little banner thing here that we've got up. And uh, just a reminder that you can support the show by donating at maverickdonations.com. Or you can also donate at freedomreporters.com. Like, share, subscribe, please. Really need the support that way. If you do subscribe on YouTube, make sure you hit the notification bell. If you subscribe over on Rumble, I will love you forever. We need to continue to grow over there, and we are growing like crazy over on the Rumble platform, the free speech platform, and we're regaining ground over on YouTube slowly following our banishment. We'll be back stronger than ever before you know it, even on the censorship platform, where we are so misunderstood by the censors. They just don't understand. But I will be back, folks, tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with more of the craziness that engulfs this world today. Try to stay positive out there. I know it's all kind of falling apart. But somehow, we'll find a way back. We'll find a way back. It's all going to be okay. And that video with Ron... I'd just sit back, wait, and see. I wouldn't take it at face value. Let's, uh, that's not, I'm just, I'm just going to sit back and wait and see. And just to be very clear, I don't think there's any proof of anything of anyone being a pedophile at this point. So I don't know what that talk is all about. 
I haven't got a clue. All I know is um, I ain't going to hang out <laughs> because, because I just can't. I'll be back here tomorrow night, though, with you guys. 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. On the flip side. This has been a Maverick Multimedia Productions.